guys and girls, and welcome to episode 154 of the F Reality Podcast. Plug in your neural link, relax, and let us zap your brain with this week's top VR news. We're going to be talking about Facebook Connect, the show formerly known as Oculus Connect. We get a closer look at Facebook Horizon and Medal of Honor above and beyond. I'll give you the details on an interesting new partnership with Qualcomm and Ultralink. We're going to have a deep dive discussion with our guest Denny on all things VR and Cloudhead games. And finally, Zim has got some new releases for you to look forward to next week. But for now, let me introduce you to the team and find out what's been their highlight of the week this week. And also let us know what you played in the chat so we can read out some of your highlights too. First up to the plate, this guy's new best friend is a smoky creature only known as Mr. Friendly. It's the one and only VR Screamer, Zimtok5. <laughs> How are you? <laughs> you do such poetry with those intros, Mike. I'm good. I am feckin' sore, and that's all Denny's fault. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it, it's been a good week. I've been um, questing a lot. And uh, for, for this week, I was like, you know what? Last week was kind of paternity week one, and it was, you know, being a zombie with a kid. And this week's like... Uh, Coming back to humanity again, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna, I'm gonna do myself some quest time." So I, last last evening, um, I did a, a a quest disco. So after having done kind of beat saber and pistol whip and stuff like that the night before, I was a bit too sore. And then I, I went and I took a uh, a strobe light, and I was like, "Okay, how how far can we push the quest cameras?" And so I did that. I set up a room, uh, my biggest room scale room that I have in the house. And um, used a yeah a flashing disco ball basically that um, that does kind of a strobing effect like this and, uh, and 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 played really with just that and very little other light and I was really surprised that the tracking didn't go all fecky it, it actually worked very well um, I was able to play onward competitively and get some really good shots in so uh, that was my kind of test for the week I suppose and I guess we'll count that as a highlight although my true highlight has to be. As we're, I'm sure someone else is going to highlight the devouring, but I thought I'd let someone else speak to that. Nice. Yeah, I saw pictures of you crawling on, like prone on the floor. Oh. Uh, I guess that was playing onward, right? Yeah, it's, I, I got to tell you one thing. Like what is under your feet counts so much. Some people use like foam padding and stuff like that. We, uh, we get milk delivered. Like we get it from like straight from a, a dairy farm. And, um, and so we get this like wool layer that they use for cooling it. We pull that out of the bags or whatever. I tell you, stepping on walls like stepping on a mossy forest, it is amazing. So lying and rolling down in that and like playing an FPS is just a dream come true, like for, for this kind of man. Absolutely dream. Yeah. So your family just needs to like drink more and more milk so you can cover your entire like floor in that kind of stuff? Uh, oh, absolutely. Although the, st the, the worst part is my dog loves it and she rips it into a million pieces. It goes everywhere. So it, it's mm -hmm. only in a, in a cordoned off, locked off room back there. Yeah. Nice, nice. Sounds like you've been having fun anyway. Yeah. Uh, so next up, although this guy doesn't play nice with others, we've managed to tame him over the years to play nice with us. It's our resident angry man. It's Rowdy VR. How you doing? I'm, do I'm doing all right, yeah. As, except for my computer, since apparently it's still not up and running. Uh, I need to order still a new processor. I think... Uh, I think my, my processor is not compatible with the motherboard, so it's a bit of a downer. I'm gonna have to wait a bit longer up until I have some money to, to order like a new um, a new processor. But uh, on the upside of things, I do have a highlight, save for hearing you guys scream through an entire five hours of playing The Devouring, uh, which was a pretty high highlight as well. But um, I think the highlight for my week uh, was uh, two shows that I, or two episodes that I watched. Uh, one was a uh, high score on Netflix. Mm. I started watching yeah. that, which is kind of like the history about 
you know, gaming in general, and a little bit more like the politics behind it as well. Um, I, I don't really have an opinion yet on like whether I find it really good um, because I've only seen two episodes, which is the one uh, that where the main topic is Atari and the second one is the main topic mostly Nintendo. Mm -hmm. So I've, I've seen those two episodes, but I did enjoy those two a lot um, to see, you know, what, what, like how everything got started and how much progress we've had since the beginning, uh, which is kind of... Kind of insane to think about because the time span is actually not that long considering, you know, the the time that we've been playing games. Mm -hmm. um, and then the second thing was uh, that I also watched uh, the Neuralink presentation that uh, some of you watched as well yeah. with uh, with Elon Musk. Uh, yeah, that was that was fun fun to watch. <laughs> Are you yeah, gonna like... get chipped, Rowdy? I, I want to know. I watched that man. Are you gonna get chipped? You get the coin? Uh, like. The, the thing, the problem that I had, and I said it in the in the chat as well, I think, is that there's so little signs involved yet with the entire presentation that they gave. Uh, it was just a kind of uh, showing three pigs that had a chip implanted and then the chip removed and they were still fine. But that's not the point of having a chip implanted. You know, if, if you implant a chip, it needs to do something specific. They did show like uh, some... Uh, some recordings from the old factory bulb, which is nice, but that is something that's been done like maybe 40 years ago. I don't, I don't know how long. Uh, so I didn't find that very interesting. Uh, what I do find very interesting is the is the, is the size of it. It's very small. Uh, I think that is really interesting, but I think that is also a little bit the problem with it because the smaller you make a device, the harder it will be to, to insert it in a specific area. And uh, the, the comparison was made with, for example, deep brain stimulation, which is a technique that stimulates the deep brain, like for example, regions like the nucleus accumbens or the, the caudate putamen, amygdala, you know, those kind of regions, which are very deeply located in the brain and are involved in a lot of circuitry. Um, but all of the regions that you target with the Neuralink so far, or, or what they're talking about, they're all motor cortex, somatosensory, all cortical regions. Um, so I, I would like to see how something as fine as those wires that they're that they're um, that they're using will actually be able to reach deeper regions, especially if they talk about you know memory and long-term potentiation, which is hippocampus and long and short-term memory. Uh, but I don't see that happening yet with when the wires are so fine because you can't target them in a specific area. So for for my humble opinion on the technology that will likely be very impressive uh, later on, but I would like for Elon to maybe delegate those presentations to someone who has like more of the the scientific background or a biological background, because I think it's approached too much from an engineering problem rather than a biological engineering problem. And there's a huge difference between those two, because with engineering, you go from A to B and you know that, that is the part that you do. But with biological engineering, biology goes from A to Z and all those B, C, D, all those other letters in between and maybe a billion others are all like steps that have some kind of minor little influence and they influence other regions and regions and regions and regions. So it gets so complex then that um, I would like to hear a little bit more instead of like, oh yeah, we're going to be able to telepathically call or Tesla uh, over, talk a little bit more about the science behind it. I would, mm. I, would I think that would be great. Yeah. I think, you know, from the two recommendations, like I also watched High Score as well. And I thought, you know, mm -hmm sometime in the future there's going to be people making documentaries like that about vr and how it all started and that's going to be super yeah. interesting to see that um and, and we probably have a guest on there who's probably going to be featured in, oh, in yeah. that, uh, that show because <laughs> i have to say sure. danny you, you 
you're a huge example for me. You're, you're the first one that I saw ever trying virtual reality with your uh, with your six sense kind of kind of stuff. Uh, I was I was so impressed by that. I I didn't place the the, the pre order um, on the six sense because I was too late and I had no money like always. Uh, but uh, I, I was definitely gonna get it once I got paid. Like. <laughs> Yeah. And and then the other thing that you mentioned about the Neuralink thing, I also watched it. And what kind of worried me was a bit like that when people start adopting this technology, that it won't be a fair playing ground, a, a playing field anymore, and that people will have a distinct advantage over others that will maybe even force people to go out and buy this just so it can be fair amongst everyone. But that is again like the problem that I have with like Elon doing the presentation because Elon. That is the kind of future that he, you know, sees. You yeah. know, he wants to use it for improvement of people. Well, I see this kind of technology far more being used for pe- people with, for example, spinal injuries, mm. with uh, blindness, uh, hearing disorders, uh, those kind of things. Focus on that group because that is the group that will be targeted in the beginning from this. People with a spinal cord injury. I don't think that anyone or any government would allow like some kind of like implant to make superhumans and that that would not be regulated at a governmental level. Um, I, I don't see that happening, especially not with like things like the you know the FDA approvals and mm. it's it's so complex to to, to I, do something like that. But focus on the positive. I think there are just two films you need to watch after you watch the Neuralink <laughs> oh, presentation. Oh, 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 Here oh. we go, Gattaca yeah. and Upload. Just watch those two films, Upload. and then I think you'll I've have a Upload. slightly different yeah. vision of maybe that future. Upload was the TV uh, show, right? Rather than a film? No. no. Oh, there's a no, film no. Upload. Okay. You, you also Sorry, have upgrade. Uh, upgrade. Sorry, upgrade. 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 Oh, I've seen yeah, that yeah. film. Yeah, I've seen that film. Yeah, I've yeah. seen it. Mm. Cool film. Upgrade. Yeah. There's, nice. definitely, there's definitely a future there where cracking open our heads and, and exposing it to a computer framework is... I, it's unavoidable. It's actually unavoidable. Wow. It's part of our That's It's true. part of our evolution if we don't destroy ourselves first. Um, I don't, I, even Palmer Lucky used to go on and on about all of that kind of stuff. And, you know, the, the best simulations are going to be the ones that happen once we've directly connected to our heads. There you go. I completely agree with that. But I think as a first step, um, we, we need to focus on healthcare rather yeah. than improvement. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not saying that it won't happen. I, I, it definitely will happen in a, in a, in a future from now. Yeah. But I think from now that is still a lot of future talk. And, and I know Elon is, is a visionary and he has visionary talks. It, but it, I think from a, a scientific point, I think it's important to, to get like the science right from the beginning that mm-hmm. people know what to expect. That's what's going to happen first, though. Elon is a salesman first and foremost mm. on every single yeah. company he, he works with and for. So right now he's doing a, a big song and dance for investors is really what he's doing. And but really yeah, yeah. the the, the, the scientists behind the scenes are actually doing the hard work and going, okay, we're going to tackle blindness and paralysis and that kind of stuff. So I, that will I, be I, first. I love that he quoted yeah. that it it was like Black Mirror. He actually said that in his presentation and he also <laughs> said that the future is going to be weird in his presentation, which I loved as well. Yeah. He, he also said he might be wearing a Neuralink himself, himself didn't that's you? That's true. He did say that actually. Yeah, that's very good. But yeah, I do I did enjoy it. So go check it out if you're interested in Neuralink. Um but some good suggestions there, Rowdy. So next up, this guy is a true VR veteran. He earned the Medal of Honor over 6 years ago actually on the original Oculus Rift DK1 is, of course, our Frisian friend. It's Nathy. How are you? <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, no, that that was something, right? Mm. Like, guys, imagine that you had to just, you know, um, use, like, a 3D injector to play Medal of Honor to be able to enjoy it in VR. Yeah, That's... it was Medal of Honor Airborne, right? Yeah, 
2007 edition. <laughs> yeah, right, yeah. No, that was the one I owned back then. I was like, let's yeah. give it a try. Um, but yeah, now, now we're getting a full-fledged uh, game. We're soon going to talk about it anyways. Um, yes. But um, yeah, maybe I should be the one that highlights this crazy VR uh, chat trip that we had. Yeah, go for it. And I can, I can chip in with... Uh, well, we can all chip in with our thoughts. Absolutely, go for it. So Zim invited uh, me, uh, Mike, and also Rowdy to check out this horror adventure mm-hmm. and uh i was first like i don't know i don't know i was just waiting for mike or you know rowdy to say like ah, maybe we can't do it now i was like man then but then they said all oh, yes or yeah yeah you guys all said yes i was like oh screw it now i need to do it too <laughs> so then we played it we played it and uh, it was it was pretty pretty scary actually mm. um but also a lot of fun um it was um so we, we played it for like four or five hours. It's like this escape experience. Yeah. In, within VR chat, it's like a world that you can yeah. jump into. It's totally free. You can play with up to four people. You can also mm-hmm. play it alone or with two. Totally depends on what you're into. And um, the basic story is you drive on the highway with like your friends and then something you know chases you with the dark and then destroys your whole car and then you crash and then you wake up in this creepy haunted mansion that reminded me a little bit of that that funny disney movie and that ride that i have once been on um and uh yeah from there it's like reading notes finding clues and trying to get out of that place because there is like this mm. shadowy thing that lurks around it wants to eat you alive um, but it, it was amazing and not only because um, it was you know I, I kept on hearing Sim saying like man this is next level I can't believe we're p- still playing VR chat right but you need to know that like the last two weeks it has been pretty hectic uh, it has not been the most exciting two weeks either you know um, so being able to then play this and, and enjoy VR in, you know, in, the, in that way we always did and then get to experience it was just so much fun I was like this, this is why you know or so invested into VR. Uh, yeah. I just had that, you know, I forgot about everything else that is going on in the world. I was just playing some, some scary shit with you guys. Yeah, <laughs> and I, I think the fact that we did it together like made the experience like t- a 10 times better. You know, you, can't, you could complete this on your own, but doing it with friends is going to be way more fun. Uh, because like Nathie said, it's a, it's a nice mix of like horror, puzzles, room escape, and just good old fashioned teamwork because we had to work as a team to solve a lot of these puzzles and come, you know, and overcome a lot of the challenges that we faced. And we won't spoil anything because I think you should really go and check it out yourself. Um, one thing to note, though, uh, and be warned of is that you can't stop halfway through and then carry on another day. You need to do it in one go with your team together. <laughs> and like Nathan said, also, it, go on. Uh, also, it's it's not available on Quest uh, since yes. that was my ah, problem, yeah. and I couldn't join since my PC is still uh, uh, in lockdown. <laughs> uh, but uh, I mean, I, I did watch you guys play, and uh, I I got like Paradise Decay said in chat. I got him in trouble because I was playing sound effects through Discord. <laughs> yeah, he was. He was trolling us <laughs> through Discord. Yeah, he was. Um, uh. So yeah, you need to be warned that you're going to be in it for the long haul. And I think, you know, we hit a bit of a wall at three hours in and we was oh. like, oh, I don't know if we can go any longer. <laughs> and then we, we finally cracked one of the puzzles, you know, with some help from the developers. Uh, thank you, developers. Oh, um, yeah. And uh, then we pushed through to the end. And I'm so glad we did because that finale, that last hour and a half of gameplay was really stand out yeah. and some of the best parts of the game that we experienced, yes. in my opinion. 
Um, so yeah, I would definitely recommend checking out The Devouring. It's yeah. in VR chat. It's completely free to play as well, which is pretty incredible. So shout out to the creators, uh, Lakuza. I think he was actually in the chat today as well. Uh, yeah. Legends, uh, Fiona and Cyan Laser, because I think they did a great job with the game. Yeah. Um, and it, the thing is, I look forward to seeing more experiences like this now that we know that this is kind of possible in VR chat mm. and encourage other people to, you know, try and put something similar together yeah. um, that we can experience as well. I mean, they, they filled up such or a part of like the huge gap of, of like almost no multiplayer co-op experiences in VR. So this was just such a refreshing thing to do, even that we played VR chat so many times before. It's like, I want to be able to, you know, have my own avatar and then jump into a game and then be able to invite my friends and play a five-hour story uh, title. You know, uh, this is this this is so much potential. Yeah. I just don't understand why uh, no one is really jumping onto it. I also uh, think that, like, I mean, after this, I went and I I got in kind of like a, a rec room and VR chat kind of bonanza and was doing all these different things and. One of the things with horror as a genre in particular that I felt like The Devouring did particularly well is its atmospheric horror. And that's not to say that, you know, there aren't scary elements that are actually quite thrilling. There are, and I won't say what those are, um, but there aren't, you know, there, there aren't um, kind of flash in your face, loud noise, jump scares. Um, mm. But the puzzles, so it really is like a horror room escape, which I maybe I, I didn't realize that there was going to be uh, as much of a puzzle element there as there was uh, and one of the cool parts is once you've beaten the game and you've gotten through it you've actually got a dedicated environment at the end with like all these placards of how long people took some people taking like 23 hours or whatever obviously they went to bed got up and did it again but then there's others like world runs you know the fastest world run or whatever is like 31 minutes in vr which is just incredible mm -hmm. because i think if we didn't have the little kind of pushes from the dev team I think we would have been going for six hours. Um, mm. You know, it, it was some of those puzzles are kind of damn hard. They aren't unfair, but uh, it, it was just such a it's such a polished example. And even like the first scenes that you get in, it's like, wow, this is VR chat. Yeah, it's pretty impressive. You know, especially because the community is making it. It's like a, the like the community who does it pretty much for a hobby can pull something up as amazing as uh, you know a, a dev studio with like twenty people on the team. Yeah, well, that, absolutely. That's, that's also something that could only happen in VR chat because, as as a developer, I'm all too aware of um, you know the active user base. Just it typically isn't there for multiplayer games. We have like six different projects that we desperately wanted to launch, but they all were multiplayer, and they don't. Uh, they're starting to suit current market, but they just didn't before. For example, we were trying to get the Ghostbusters license for a long, long time um, wow. to do. You know, because how much fun would that be as a multiplayer VR experience? Amazing. Um, yeah, it would be incredible. So, but just a bunch of stuff like that. So it's cool to hear mm. that um, that's actually happening in VR chat at scale in there where users can actually use tools to make that kind of stuff. It's neat. Yeah, absolutely. So if you want to go and check it out yourself, uh, it's free. Just search for uh, the devouring in VR chat and just go into the world with your team. Uh, it's completely free. And like I say, just make sure you've got like four to five hours spare uh, to go through it. And if you're in it's there, uh, send our regards to Mr. Friendly, who oh, we uh, nicknamed uh, the creature in, in the game. So yeah. I do have to say it was very cozy to sit in this closet together with you guys and then looking at each other in like fears like shh. 
Don't say anything. It's so nice because you can handle the fear so much better. Like in Alien Isolation, if I could hug Neo, you know, which was maybe in this case, I think I would have felt a little bit better, you know, yeah, than yeah. getting digested by a cinema. That's a good point, actually. If you want to get a taste of what the gameplay is like, go and check out Zim's uh, live stream. Uh, there's a, a complete four and a half, five hour VOD on his uh, YouTube channel. So go and check it out if you want to see what it's all about. Um, so. Next up, our special guest this week, a man that managed to get us all into base-loving pistol whippers, is of course Denny Unger from Cloudhead Games. Welcome to the show. Pleasure to have you on here. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Um, yeah, I haven't had time to play a lot because we've been um, hard at work getting the last update out on pistol whip and future ones. So Heartbreaker came out recently um, mm -hmm. with with three three songs, three scenes as we call them. Um, and it's kind of a departure. They're they're very kind of dancey. It's kind of bubbly, poppy summertime music. And we even did a squirt gun that come, comes with it. And just decided to do a tone shift to kind of give everybody a much needed break in the world and some escapism. Anyways, great reception so far. And it's been fun um, seeing the team work on that. They totally kicked all, ki all kinds of ass. Nice. Uh, and like, you know, we've seen historically in the past, you know, like uh, Beat Saber mappers have then been brought into the team to create maps going forward. Is that something you're still keeping in-house or have you ended up sort of recruited community members or anything like that? Um, so Cloudhead grew quite a bit over the last few months. It's a really weird thing because COVID hit and we were also having kind of the most success we'd ever had as a studio. Um, so we went from like we were 12 people to 25 people in a really short time span. So all of it's being done in-house is the short answer to that. Um, but mm -hmm. that does not mean there is not things being talked about for future. Um, we have some really interesting stuff to talk about very soon that people are going to be pretty um, blown away by, I think, because uh, I can't say anything. I'm trying to think of what I can say. The, the, uh, but specific to Pistol Whip, it's, uh, it's, there are going to be some things happening to the game that people will go, oh, of course. Like, it's just stuff that um, makes all kinds of sense when you see it. And uh, they'll be really excited to see it. <laughs> awesome. Wow. And, and we won't um, be having to wait awesome. too long for these announcements? No. Uh, very soon. Nice. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I love very soon. Very soon is like my favorite. Well, so, I mean, there's so, very soon. There's soon. There's, you know. I'll say next month. How about that? Yeah, that's yeah. that's that's Ooh. good. That, that ties in with a few other You're things. Don't, yeah. don't don't make it a, a Oculus Quest soon. Because that, that, that's like a total different. Uh, yeah. Um, so I, I haven't I haven't been playing a lot, but I I do want to do a couple call outs. Um, one is sure. um, Eye of the Temple. I. Mm, uh, mm. I have not played it yet, okay? But I, I've i been watching its development the whole time. You guys have probably tried it or touched on it. Yeah, I played on it. Really enjoyed it, yeah. Yeah, um, and maybe you already talked about it. But what I, I just wanted to say what I really appreciate about what, what, they, what he's done, what they've done, um, is the way that they're involving your body in a volumetric space, but specifically how they're kind of shuttling you around in the space and engaging more of what's happening on the ground because that's something we talk about a lot in design at the studio and uh th this is the first time i've seen somebody kind of go yeah we could we could push it here and there um and it, it just it looks great and i can't wait to play it how was it oh i loved it yeah i thought it was great and i i actually made a video of it on the channel um 
playing it. And and yeah, like you said, it's one of those rare games that really utilizes the room scale experience to to the maximum. And, um, you know, if you've got the, the play space for it, I would highly recommend checking it out. There's a free demo. So, you know, there's no reason not to uh, called First Steps. It's available on Steam now. Um, yeah. But yeah, you know, I, I just thought it was amazing and I thought it was definitely worth sharing. And that's that's why I made a video about it. And that, that room scale uh, aspect is something that I think is, you know, we all got it very excited when the Vive first kind of came out with its technology. Um, and, and it has been, in my opinion, underutilized. Uh, I don't know what drives that particularly, but I think the min spec has maybe uh, challenged where VR could have spread its wings a bit um, because everyone kind of designs around that min spec so everyone can play it. You maximize your, your base. But when there are examples um, of that, that, that they use it very well because you get your body involved. It feels very human and hence the immersion like meter goes from there to there. You know, it, it definitely goes up a notch. I can I can say like from our perspective, this whole thing shifted. Like so when we did call the star seed, it was very much grounded in doing room scale interaction. And the way we built the, the volume and and everything was was to force you to move within that spatial volume. Um, and to to walk to the desk, to walk over and look under the thing, like it was it was to force that kind of behavior. And then somewhere after that, the community at large kept screaming about wanting stick move. It was like this. I and and the VR community is very very loud and very boisterous. And so a lot of studios, a lot of developers said, okay, we're gonna do stick move. And the second they did that, room scale disappeared practically yeah. like yeah. almost industry-wide and it wasn't just that it was um you know a lot of people complained i don't have room for this like that that was the simple complaint is like you can't make a, an experience like that because i don't have enough room <laughs> to enjoy it valid point um but back to your point zim like th there's a whole world of of game design there that isn't being explored because people are scared to do that thing because they get yelled at for not having traditional uh locomotion modes right Anyways, I just wanted to call out uh, the templates. I thought it looked cool for all of those reasons. Yeah. Um, and the other thing I played recently was uh, Ayahuasca Cosmic Journey. Oh, yeah. Nice. Um, Zim's, Zim's, Zim's going to love this. Yeah. I For the longest time, I've thought like, you know, a, a, a DMT simulation or some kind of spiritual chemical simulation in VR would be really great to give people like an overview effect or, you know, some kind of internal piece. <laughs> like it's mm -hmm. a good technology for that. Um, and this is like the closest thing I've seen to like a really good representation of that kind of experience and, and trip. And the visuals are really astounding. Um, and just the production quality itself is, is really well done. There's some bugs in it, of course, but no. you should check it out. It's a, it's a worthwhile little little journey. You can't you don't do anything in it. You just kind of move through it. But it's it's cool. Yeah. And it's available on Steam, isn't it? Ayahuasca? Yes. Ayahuasca. Good yeah. luck spelling that. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I think someone in the chat spelled it out actually, so that should help yeah, you out if you're, if you're already looking, helped us out. looking for it. I'm gonna recommend. So, Danny, I I feel bad because I've recommended this to I think Kenneth by recently, and he said he'd done it. But if you really want to get into that kind of ohm state, uh, sound self is a really yes. interesting low-fi uh, engagement. Have you done that yourself? I have. I'm sorry. Um, that was actually 
shortly before that one. I've always kind of picked those ones out, but don't have a lot of time to play them. But uh, yeah, Sound Self was great. I did it twice. Um, and sure. yeah, it's really interesting seeing how the visuals change based on your tonality as you're mm-hmm. going home and you're you're humming along mm-hmm. and you get these weird reverberations and you're wondering, did I make that sound or is it like, what is it feeding back to me? Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's, it's really, really, really interesting. It, it's like those two things are like touching on the edge of what could be possible in VR if somebody just pushed it a bit further, had a bit more money um, and could take that to a whole other level. Because I, I do think it could induce um, some serious trance states um, that would be very interesting. I think it could help people. You made this point, but I think it could help people. I really do. Because yeah. there was kind of a, a level of calm I, I reached in that. But, you know, Sound Self's a little bit clunky. Uh, Ayahuasca is yeah. very pretty, but kind of a short ride yes and and not very dynamic yeah uh, i wish those two would get together and have a vr baby totally i agree and especially like apps like that that they're, they're needed right now you know people need that kind of uh, mind space to clear yeah. and get away from the real world a little bit for sure absolutely <laughs> um so maybe we can read out some uh, uh suggestions from the chat see what they've been up to uh, this week yes so we have G119 uh, who uh, uh, played Sail on SideQuest and he says it's an open world pirate game that is now in development. Mm. That sounds very interesting. Oh. Yeah, that looks you, cool, actually. Has anyone tried this yet? What's it called? Mm. Just Sail. No. Sail, yes, yeah, Sail. No. Not yet. I heard, it, it? I heard of it. But... Well, it's the best name ever. You know what to expect, right? <laughs> I, I think pirates of, uh, you know, would be a problem in this case, but... Uh, uh, if, well, it, yeah. of the Caribbean. if it's the, yeah, exactly. if it's the one I'm thinking of, it's been in development for at least a year, and th- the last thing they showed of it was um, it graphically it looked very very impressive, but I haven't mm. haven't heard anything since. Well, um, apparently you can now check it out. Um, then we have Factory Life, who dove into War Dust Standout, and my favorite Iron Man on PlayStation mm. VR. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have um, D1360, who has been beating notes on Linkin Park, um, because that's now the newest DLC on Beat Saber. Um, we have Max Fernandez, who uh, uh, played lots of Onward and Population One, that is still in beta. Hopefully it will uh, come out this year. Did they talk about a launch date, a release date? Not yet. Well, Not this yet. year would be a good moment to start rolling it out, I would say. But who knows? Time will tell. Population One scares me as a title now. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I see what you did there. Um, Then we have Kevin who tried Fox Machine for the first time. And he says Mm. that he's very, uh, um, you know, grateful for the fact that we suggested this title, I think, last week. We definitely mentioned it recently on the show. Yeah, Yeah, a hidden gem. Good I don't know wh- how we got to mention this, uh, but we did, yeah. yeah. Um, and then, oh, because there was a new update. They updated it. That's why. That's right. Yeah, added yeah. Some I, stuff. I covered it ah. in releases. Yeah. Yes. You see Zim. Zim is uh, rescuing us again with some, some good content. <laughs> and then last but not least, we have Pyro, who uh, who played Skyrim. Never gets old. Uh, can't wait to play it on PlayStation 6, you know. It's <laughs> <laughs> the only way to go on holiday nowadays. PlayStation right? 8 probably as well, you know, on the PlayStation VR 6. Um, and, and he bought Timestall um, using the Oculus Store credit. Now, Timestall is like this hidden gem uh, where you uh, get to work on a, like, uh, space Titanic. 
and you can um, you have to like you know do missions in slow motion but it's it's so good uh, I, I feel like almost no one who owns a quest knows that this uh, this title is around but it's, it's a good nice one. I think that's the main thing is like it's it's a nice title like you know when you play Astrobot and it's friendly you're not shooting mm-hmm. things sorry oh, yeah. Denny uh, but you know you're not shooting things with a pistol or whipping them with a pistol. It's nice, you know. <laughs> yeah, but it's just like one of those ones that, like Mike said, like in, in this time you kind of want things that just make you feel good, and it makes you yeah. feel good. It's got a nice mechanic. It's cutesy. Yeah, but in general, like Forcefield, who who made this game, also made a um, uh, the Anne coaster, Frank experience, coaster combat as well. Coaster combat that that's not necessarily a very <laughs> relaxing one to check out. Yeah. Um, Especially when you get like uh, chased by the Yeti, um, but there is one more title that they made uh, where you can travel the world. Uh, I forgot the Wonder? National National, oh, no, Geographic. National Geographic. Yeah. National Geographic. That's also a very relaxing experience and very yes. you know uh, undervalued, I would say. So yeah, just Google Forest Field Entertainment. You get some really good games and experiences. So there you go, Mike. Nice. Nice. Well, let's jump straight into Very the cool. news then uh, this news. week. Uh, and the first bit of news we've got is about Oculus Connect 7, although it's no longer called Oculus Connect anymore. It's now called Facebook <gasps> yeah. Connect. Um, for those that Perfect don't know... Perfect timing, right? Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> well, 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 we'll touch on that shortly. Um, but for those that are not aware, you know, Oculus Connect is a yearly event uh, generally held in San Jose, California. And it's where sort of Oculus host uh, game developers, content creators like us, news outlets and basically brings all these people uh, who have a passion for virtual reality together under one roof. Um, I've been to the last three connects, covered stuff from the show floor, and it's always been like a, a highlight of my year. Like, I, I always really enjoy it. And it's not necessarily because of new hardware or necessarily new games, but it's just being able to meet Easy. up with like-minded people who share the same passion and enthusiasm that you do and being able to talk about something that we love. And that's always and, am- and amazing. And there's so much going on around that event as well. Like it's always. just not only the events, mm-hmm. but you have like a lot of like, you know, indie developers or something that organize their own kind of thing in a, in a, in a hotel room near it or something. Mm-hmm. You just get to experience and, and, and see so many things in people that it's it's just an amazing event yeah and like you know like um uh, oc6 you know bumping into denny and he was like hey i've got this new game you want to try it out and you know it was just <laughs> on the concourse uh you know no one knew what pistol whip was back then and you try it out and then all of a sudden everyone's talking about pistol whip and it's like kind of like the buzz of the show and we talked about it on the podcast from the show yeah. floor as well which yeah. was that, always that was an hilarious video as well because i was i was there with uh, i think with lonely viper and uh, me and him had, were playing pistol whip and you see me playing it and you see some dude in a deadpool pistol standing <laughs> next to me and then you see just people like passing by as if nothing is happening. Yeah. It's the only convention where you can see like someone going completely mental with a VR headset <laughs> on his face, a Deadpool character standing next to him, and then people not even paying attention to it because it's the most normal thing in the world. I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah. never forget that connect. Sorry, go ahead, Nathie. No, go for it. Yeah, go for it. Go for just, it. I'll never forget that connect just because all of you were, were there and trying the game for the first time but the the funny kind of backstory there is we were supposed to have a a bigger presence at OC6 um a bunch of things happened for and that didn't happen so we're like me, me and uh my BD partner Joe Dunlop were like walking around we're like hmm, let's just show people like just in the hall right <laughs> and uh little did we know that it would just kind of keep growing and growing and growing and suddenly you had this huge line of people playing and and really having fun and it was really cool because it was the first time we had really let anybody outside the studio mm. play it to that degree we, and we were still a little nervous we even like, did uh, 
Like, is it something yeah. people we, we even like? Did we even did the F reality show on the on the uh, on the on the show floor there as well. We did it outside, I mm -hmm. think. Uh, but we made that particular experience like one of the highlights yeah. of the entire <laughs> Oculus event. Yeah, we did, which I, was hilarious I, as well because indeed you, it was just on a, in, in like a corridor. Like, it's just exactly the whole point of those yeah. events, you know. Like yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, it's yeah, those yeah. it's those things that happen on the sides on the periphery of the event. But yeah, when you get handed the headset and you try something out, like I remember. Um, Godin, who who came along to me at one stage, he's just like, hey, hey, Zim, you want to try something? And I was like, sure. And I, I put it on. I'm like, oh, need a movie browser. And he's like, that's a PC in Canada. I'm like, what? Hey. I mean, it's like that kind of thing where, yeah. you know, you get that headset yeah. demo. You see people uh, putting up these like laptop stands yes. in the in the corridor, yeah. which are yeah, yeah. a lot of them clearly not sanctioned or anything, you know, and it's just like that's the one of the best parts well, of, it, of, of the whole venue is just being able to rock up you know get a demo and and try something you've never tried before in some, in some cases that are that are just like uh indie dev things that you probably never see released and, and well, that's it, amazing. It, it was it was especially refreshing because we got invited to come to connect to try out new hardware and to try out new games in the end there were almost no games so then having <laughs> of course cloud games to save us all by showing pistol uh i was like wow uh, i got to play something because you know you guys are just hey we know who you guys are. We know uh, uh, who to show it to. Well, meanwhile, if I wanted to try Medal of Honor, I still wanted want to uh, since, since uh, today. I, I couldn't do that because do that. I had to stand in line for two hours. So I mean, it was and just that, nice to be instantly playing this and checking. And that out. was the thing. Like the two games that really stood out for all of us during the event were um, Pixel, Pixel Rip. Yeah. Uh, 1995 and yeah. and Pistol Whip. Pistol um, <laughs> and, and the thing is, like you know, the feedback that we gave. Facebook afterwards was like, hey, these two games should have been on the show floor. Like, th yeah. th that was a big mistake. Um, but, <laughs> yeah. but anyway, you know. It's kind of crazy, though, that that Oculus Connect is the last Oculus Connect. It is. Right? Yeah. yeah. Because, like one. I said, it's going to be Facebook Connect from here on out, it seems. And, you know, as we know, real world events uh, aren't happening right now. So uh, we knew a few months ago that it was going to be a digital event uh, mm -hmm. going forward. So it's going to be all online. Um, and this uh, this week they they announced the official uh, date and time. So it's going to take place on the 16th of September at 10 a.m. Pacific time. And you're going to be able to watch the uh, sort of keynote and everything else live on the uh, Facebook Reality Labs Facebook page uh, on Facebook Live. So that's how they're sort of hosting the show this year. So wait, wait, you said like... For, because this year, of course, you can't host any events. It's going to be digital, or it's going to be digital next year too, and the year after. Or we don't know. We don't. We don't know. Uh, obviously, moving forward, but certainly this year, it's digital. Um, yeah. I, I do wonder with like you know the kind of elimination of the Oculus brand and the kind of experience that we had last time, with already far more attention being given to like the business, business. aspect of yeah. VR. Whether that trend is gonna you know continue. Uh, with Facebook Connect because Facebook is also more about like you know the social platform and you know Facebook for Business is what's like a, a really big thing at OSU six so yeah I'm wondering if that trend is going to continue now that it's also become Facebook I, Connect I think I think what we experienced last year was pretty much Facebook Connect <laughs> compared yeah. to the year before that Bec sure. yeah because OC, OC5 was gaming you know it was all about yeah, gaming sure. it had location and based there it had the void there e tournament. Facebook. Yeah. What, what do you think, Danny? Like from a dev side, I always wonder because these do tend to be the spine of the the whole thing has been dev centric, and that makes sense. Um, but do, would you see this uh, potentially going that way as a, becoming more developer centric uh, going forward? BD centric or developer centric? 
like uh so so facebook for business I, you guys were kind of mentioning that mm. you, you saw a lot yeah. of that i think what's interesting there is it's i think it's less about business and it's more about uh zuckerberg's push for building a metaverse um at like the, the whole i still believe this with horizon um that the whole end game here is to establish the the very basic roots for that thing that it will eventually become you know the, the thing that eventually will enable like full body persistence and, and real real-time body capture and facial capture and like they're starting with this very simple infrastructure but it's kind of deceptively simple because it is the thing that will eventually kind of suck users from the the facebook ecosystem into vr eventually once the hardware shrinks down and everything's kind of established um so i think if if there's like this kind of this is just theory on my part by the way but sure if if there's like this facebook rebranding happening i think it's more because they're trying to push into a metaverse um mm -hmm. it's sort of the beginning step so they're going to put more emphasis on the way we communicate in vr and all all of those types of things um but Point. but i believe that gaming is still very much obviously the focus for them in terms of you know what's actually driving revenue and 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 what's important to most consumers so you'll it, it's still going to be pretty well balanced i think mm. Mm. okay Good. um and certainly you know uh, carmack uh, tweeted this week about the event he said that everything was going to be pre-recorded with nice production values uh but he said i will be giving my talk live in my typical fashion <laughs> um <laughs> so although oculus connect may not ever be the same. At least we can count on Carmack to never change. <laughs> not ever change. Yeah. <laughs> Which I, I, I absolutely love about the guy. He won't take one drink of water for four hours. Oh, like, <laughs> this is one thing that if, you, if you've ever been to a Connect, you know, and you'll witness the greatness of Carmack, you know, he delivers uh, this amazing keynote very frank and honest um and even last year he was running out of time so they they literally kicked him off the stage uh like and he hadn't finished his presentation and he was clearly annoyed so he just said right i'm going to continue this presentation on the concourse so if you want to come <laughs> out and did. listen to me talk i'll be there and he did and then he, he stood around for another two three hours just talking to the community and asking it, answering questions it was amazing to, to me it, like when i see him standing like in in the lobby with all these people around it's, it's almost like jesus and his disciples and it's like the death <laughs> version yeah. of it that just you know and everyone is like like everyone's like ah but he, he can he, he has so so much to say you know mm -hmm. and he's also like this week i tweeted something about him predicting you know standalone and predicting a lot uh, uh vr wise and then someone said like he's not only predicting it he also makes it happen. He also builds it. It's he's also, insane. He's also, like, I always took Carmack, when I first knew about him, I knew about him through Quake before the whole VR thing kicked off. Like, I always thought of him as, as kind of, you know, your 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 typical kind of closeted coder who, you know, doesn't have much to say. He's a bit of a rebel. He's got, like, a rebel spirit in, in him. And the nice thing is that he's quite straight-talking as well. Like, when mm. if, he's, if something's not going well on the inside... Uh, like during the Oculus, I remember 2015, I think he made some specific comments. Yeah. So, so like out of everything that's scheduled, I'm most interested in his talk, just to hear what he, he says about, you know, the current changes and what it means to him. He's now outside of the ring to some extent. Um, so keen to hear what John's got to say. Absolutely. We, sh we should talk about the rebranding a little bit more. The yeah. yeah, because from what I understand, it's not actually, they're not getting rid of Oculus as a, as a trademark or as a name. As far mm -hmm. as I know, that the event has been rebranded, but in, in terms of the tech itself, it's still Oculus. Um, but I think a lot of people don't know that. 
think a lot of people yeah. are assuming it's just becoming Facebook face face helmet or something. <laughs> yeah, and that is, it's funny because I tweeted that this week. I said, you know, oh, what's next? They're going to call it the Facebook Quest. But like you say, mm. it, they're not they're not removing the Oculus name, but they are eroding it to a certain degree because we also saw Oculus Medium being I, I, renamed yeah. to Medium by Adobe. You know, so they are certainly in some areas. Um, eroding away the Oculus brand. And I think, yeah. you know, personally, I, I think that sucks because I've always thought the Oculus brand was a really strong one uh, and I liked the brand. Yeah. And I think, you know, people in their minds could separate Oculus and Facebook, even though they're one of the same, but right. they could cut, they could like, you know, separate it. Um, yeah. whereas it kind of worked going, in their favor. It did, as well. it did. And, and it's kind of funny because like my wife said something to me that really struck a chord and she said, oh, that, what a pity uh, that Oculus is kind of getting cut down a notch a little bit. Because she said, I, I'd hoped it would kind of be like Nintendo, like they're from the beginning, you know, they're from grassroots, grew mm. up as, you know, this studio and then just kind of continued on. And it feels a little bit like, yeah. you know, the, the shelf life is has been cut yeah. in half and, you know, maybe maybe we won't see it continue. But, but. it has also a lot to do like the I, I also see a lot of people echoing this where it's like, yeah, it's going to be Facebook Quest and Facebook Rift. And, uh, you know, now Oculus Connect is also getting, you know, screwed over. Um, but a big part is communication from Facebook side, how you announce stuff like this. Also, how you uh, continue to, you know, talk to your uh, consumer base because mm. they don't really have a spokesman. They don't have a community manager who people can go to say, like, we're concerned. Is there more going to change? And if don't, then someone says, like, no, or they make update videos or do a live. You know what I mean? There, you, you could yeah. actually talk some more about this stuff. But as Ken said last week, they make big changes. But... You also want to, of course, you know, be able to communicate. I, I do that. think that their that their next headset won't have Oculus in the name anymore, though. And I also don't think it will have yeah. Facebook in the name. I think it would just be like, like for example, like Game Boy or just like Xbox Quest or something, PlayStation. Quest. Yeah, yeah, just one yeah. name, and then probably like you know what they always do, like the buy Facebook, mm. you know, something well, like that. that. Like in the, the the market, the, the market is still with Oculus as well. I mean, the market is still still quite small, so you can you could make these major changes without damaging too much. So if you want to make a change, then this is the moment. Yeah, I don't we, want to see Oculus go, but we, we talked I think about it's possible. We talked about this before, but. It's a really tough time, especially for VR devs, um, in in that we we live in this highly politicized climate right now, and um, everything's swirling around Facebook and the the complexities there. Mm -hmm. And then this, like you said, the separation between Facebook and Oculus as brands and kind of identities, and and in some ways it's it's kind of true because you know you've got this whole division working solely on VR, um, and and. <sighs> I was saying this earlier, but there's only a handful of companies that can actually bring VR to the masses at scale with the right set of technology um, to bring it to the level that we all want it to get to. Um, almost no one on the planet has the resources that Facebook does to power up VR as a, as a, a serious hardware platform and and sustain the loss, um, you know, uh, putting more in than they're getting out initially. Uh, like we've got we've got Valve, we've got Facebook, we've got Sony, um, and we've got maybe Microsoft. Like th those are kind of the four big companies that can do this properly. Yeah. Um, yeah. But once you start kind of hacking away at the variables, who can actually deliver this many headsets at scale with a certain technology stack that yeah. is future facing? You know, all yeah, all yeah. of the all of the things that they're researching and developing, and it really keeps coming back to Facebook and Oculus. 
Um, but also who wants to, right? Because not everyone is necessarily interested to do that right now. Absolutely. There's a lot of trepidation from all of the companies that I just mentioned in terms of how big they are willing to scale because they're, they're all willing to, they all have the vision, they all have the want, um, but they have to see the payback and, and not some of them aren't necessarily doing that. They also have to have the coffers. They have to have enough money to, to weather this cycle. Mm. Yeah, I think the, the only one that can really compete with that is, is probably like, like Amazon. I think they're still one of the ones that are probably in, 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 Sorry, even I, in a similar market as, yeah. as Facebook are. I, I, um, I forgot the big but, one, which was Apple. Um, because everybody, we've been hearing a lot of rumors about Apple's AR VR device, right? They yeah. are actually probably the biggest potential competitor with Oculus um, in, in maybe the shorter term. Mm -hmm. uh, so mm -hmm. that'll be a... And, and, and expensive term, I guess, if you're going to buy one. Because it's not going to be cheap. Yeah, yeah it's not going to be cheap. Yeah. Uh, uh, I'm really curious to see if they're going to roll out an AR VR hybrid device or if they're going to roll out their sort of first gen AR device on the Apple mm -hmm. side. Um, but I also believe that VR is going to deliver the best first AR experience because there's just so many hard problems with AR still to this day, and like in terms of opacity and field of view and a really yeah. high fidelity mm -hmm. pass through camera on a VR headset that's you know, actually got a, a decent resolution is going mm -hmm. to give you like a really compelling AR experience. We, we don't currently have that hardware, but it, it wouldn't be feasibly that hard to do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just think, you know, with the, with the removal of the Oculus brand to a certain degree in some areas, I think Facebook underestimate what their, the general perception of their brand is 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 you know if you just ask the general public like what do you think of facebook and i think whether that whether it's true or not you know they've had such bad press over the last couple of years that that is ingrained in people's perceptions mm. and like i said whether it's true or not yeah. they think that way and i think they haven't necessarily done a good job to change that perception at the moment mm. and i think that's why eroding the oculus brand is potentially a dangerous thing to mm. do it's it's also a question like the people who decide uh, to change stuff like this, are they in touch with the community? The people yes. who are actually build the yeah. brand in the end, you know, who kickstarted it. Uh, and, and that's where you see the disconnection between the company and the community. Like mm -hmm. you need to build a bridge between that. Well, we've, lo we've lost that uh, across the board in VR. There's, there are no good spokespersons for VR anymore. No. Like it, it's become very much a corporate thing for, for all of them, all of the major players. Um, yeah. And I think I really think that's a, a disservice to VR in general. Like you really you need because it's still to some degree a nascent market. It's still kind of grassrootsy. It's getting yeah. out of that dip, but um, I I still think you need really good spokespeople for that. Is that the right word, spokespeople? Yeah, yeah. 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 Especially, yeah. especially in the in the gaming scene, you know, where uh, everyone knows uh, who to talk to uh, from Xbox on Twitter, and and we have of course a shoe uh, on the PlayStation side that people love to send their Fall Guys clips to, and you know, and also ask yeah. questions, and and that's something we want with Oculus too. And for me, back in the days when when Palmer was, you know, uh, showing off new games and and doing live streams, I always felt he was kind of like the person and, who could at least. And he was in uh, the trailer. He was in the trailer for like Rock Band VR, wasn't he? Yeah, yeah the smashing the guitar, yeah, yeah. yeah. But that, that he like he kind of had that role, you know. And, yeah. And now it's like we don't really know. Yeah, of course, Mark, but Mark is not gonna do the community part on Twitter. Uh, no. I'm afraid. Also, just one clarification: uh, Eric Hartley said in the chat that Oculus Medium was sold to Adobe, so that was why they changed uh -huh. the name, it was because they were sold, not just the change of name. Uh -huh. yeah. Thank you for Last year. Uh, that information. Yeah. Yeah. 
But it yeah. it does seem like in the last week we've had one change a day. You know, like it feel very much feels like yeah. a, a platter of like here's here's your meal. Okay, <laughs> you're gonna get your appetizer, and then you're gonna get and we're getting all these little uh, like drops. And uh, you know, a lot of people are saying like clear the skies before a uh, big event in September. And that that's that's pretty clear. Like get all this stuff out there so you can digest it, settle, and then you know we can tell you the cool stuff. So mm-hmm. I think that's the right way to do it. Um, we we spoke in depth last week about these changes, but in terms of Connect itself and and, and that rebranding, I just wanted to say I'm, I'm sad. You know, I'm sad to, to say that there are people who I know were pining to go to an Oculus Connect, and now we'll only go to whatever's left after two major changes. Mm-hmm. Right? We've had obviously you know the whole lockdown era and and the the kind of semi permanent or permanent changes to yeah. you know how how these types of conventions are going to be portrayed and but how people you... will meet in that way. I mean, I, I wonder how things like that are going to, going to come back again. Um, this is know, a five, this is a five like... year problem. This is not going away next year. I, I yeah, sorry, this is, this is my own year. opinion, but this is five years until we circle back around to maybe what conventions used to look like. So between, mm-hmm. between these yeah. five years, we have to figure out what the new way of doing this is because everything that is out there for a solution right now, sucks <laughs> they're all they're, it's all bad because none of it drives organic communication in the way that conventions do and that's really the mm-hmm. most useful part of any convention is yeah, is yeah. having organic bump-ins with um yeah. business partners and friends and developers uh it just doesn't happen in the current ecosystem of tools so it's a hard problem yeah. that needs to be solved well very other. true very true so, of course, you know, things that we might expect from the show is, um, you know, this next Oculus headset that, as you know, we've been talking about it on the show previously. There's there's images that leaked suggesting it's a new Oculus Quest. So that's likely going to be announced at the show. And then also they might share their plans for augmented reality, like Denny mentioned. Um, and then obviously, of course, uh, Facebook Horizon, which, you know, um, I would be surprised if they don't launch it during Connect. You know, I think it would make sense to launch it during that event. Right. Um well, and, and that kind of loan echo too as well. Uh, I don't know if that's going to loan to the event. Every year is but, like, I don't know when it's ever going to come out. But, I kind of feel like been Connect, time, yeah. Connect has been, uh, you know, you've, you've approached Connect like every year and there are certain things like headsets, like major hardware that you generally are on, on the mark for. But when it comes to software releases, a lot of times what we expect isn't what we end up seeing, even yeah. especially when it comes to uh, Oculus's or you know, Facebook's support mm-hmm. of indie developers' titles, even big ones like uh, coming from an indie studio, a lot of times they, they don't even show them. They don't even do a kind of a sizzle reel like they've done in some past Oculus Connect. So I hope to see a little bit more of that in their unveiling, and it'll be interesting to see what that kind of trailer or showcase, the keynote, uh, is going to be this time around. I mean, it's not Jason Rubin anymore who picks the game, so it's to- it's a total different kind of vibe anyways. Uh, so yeah, Mike Verdu is the, is the main man when it comes to the gaming but side of things you, now. You know, you know what I thought was super weird? That's what David told me, um, because... As you guys know, David is working a lot with the Oculus Go, and he said, like, so he remembers that from last year, um, they had this Oculus Go business plan rolling out. But then a year later, they kind of pulled a plug on the Go. So there have been people who bought that, you know, subscription and those plans, but now it's gone. So that just proves that something can be at, well, Facebook Connect now. Um, and can also disappear a year later. They can be very abrupt in one plan and then throw in the next one. So. Mm. 
So that kind of brings us nicely onto Facebook Horizon. Let's let's talk about that because a couple of days ago, Facebook released their new trailer for their upcoming social platform called Facebook Horizon uh, for both Oculus Rift and Oculus Quest. And the tagline for this sort of social platform is explore, play, create together. And the kind of whole idea behind this this platform is that people can create their own worlds using a really easy set of tools to use without any prior development knowledge. They can create their own environments and then they can have up to eight friends and family over to hang out and play in these worlds together. So, you know, on paper, it sounds like a really solid little plan. And Facebook have also shared some of the key features that they've implemented to ensure that Horizon is a safe place for everyone that sort of jumps into this experience. And this is where things get kind of a bit interesting. And maybe we can talk about some other bits and pieces after this, because some people do have access to this because it's like an invite only beta right now. Uh, I think um, uh, Victor Riddell is actually in the chat and he's had access to it as well. So uh, we can maybe ask him some questions. But Is it the US and, and Canada only at the moment? I have no That's idea. I, I, think, I, I thought it was just a case of applying via email and it was just kind of okay. potluck whether you got in or not. Um, mm. But some of the stuff that surfaced that's kind of like an interesting point to talk about is this kind of like safety features that they've implemented. <clears throat> so basically, you have a button on your wrist, uh, which you can use anytime to access a, a, like a suite of safety features, basically, um, such as setting your personal boundaries, like in terms of space, like how close people can get to, uh, close to you. Uh, you also have tools to instantly mute, block and report uh, players if they're misbehaving in your sort of virtual space. But this is where things get really interesting uh, and it comes around reporting other players for inappropriate behavior. So they, they announced a video um, and launched it called a Horizon Safety Video where Facebook explained what the Horizon platform was and these kind of safety tools. And they explained that your VR experience in Horizon will be constantly recorded in the background on your Quest uh, or headset um, in a three or so minute loop. So it's constantly recording a loop of your last three minutes gameplay in the background. And this means that if you need to report inappropriate behavior, uh, a video clip of the last few minutes of your gameplay experience will be sent to a team at Facebook of safety specialists that reviews the footage uh, and acts accordingly. Now, these safety specialists also have the ability to remotely monitor the activity uh, to see and hear exactly what's going on in real time and also have the ability to record the activity themselves. Uh, and anyone, of course, breaking the rules will be banned from Horizon. So uh, I get that if something happening is happening and it's bad, you know, like racism, hate speech, even as far as like online grooming, um, you know, providing evidence of that after the fact is always a tricky thing. You know, people don't necessarily realize at the time that maybe they should record this and then send the evidence over because without the evidence, maybe they can't do much uh, in terms of like a, just a, a generic report. So I kind of get that side of it. But I do find it kind of creepy uh, on the other side as well. Like, you know, this kind of constant surveillance, essentially, of its users. So I'm kind of interested to see what you guys think of this. And let's let's talk about can it. I, can I ask you a question about this first? Sure. Um, since, like, the, the way that it's phrased, it's not entirely clear to me. Um, that three-minute loop, is that only being sent to Facebook in case someone reports it? Yeah. Or is that constantly recording and sending to Facebook? Because that's that's oh, a big yeah. difference yeah. as well. So just to, just for clarification, sh clarification there, it's only sent to Facebook uh, if you report something and, and send it over to them. Okay. So, so my question about this, I, again, I I don't agree with it. I find it horrible, like you know that you can't have like you know aware that you're very private. But how is this difference, for example, from 
from a Sony PlayStation that is also recording always a certain amount of uh, minutes yeah, it- from your Google Home that is also recording a certain amount of minutes uh, and it's actually sending it back. It, Same with Alexa. It's not. And, like how and how fact, is this you, different? You can app that up to Fortnite, for example. They record entire play yeah. sessions the entire time and that's actually one of the tools they use for reporting for abuse and cheating no. and all that. Basically, every major MMO that's on market right now does this exact thing. Just just mm. to point but it that's out. That's what I mean. Like so, so everybody is getting amped up because it's Facebook and controversy and blah 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 but the truth is they're all doing it like so i so where where someone like a camp buy might come in and he might say well they're getting a lot more data out of you from that play session because they're tracking a bunch of stuff that you can't track on a normal pc right yeah but i i don't think it's as nefarious as that as as easy as it is to kind of jump to that conclusion and i'm not trying to be an apologist for i i don't i don't think any company should have data from you unless you completely opt into it or maybe they should even pay you for that data but yeah i'm on the exact same yeah. uh, on the exact same spectrum but they all there. do it um but they all do it and that's the problem yeah. that i have the problem of course is with with like you said like facebook has so much data that they, again they can correlate that with other data and draw conclusions that mm. probably other companies won't be able to do uh, but at the same time just to play the devil's advocate here what you also don't want is people who have no place on that platform to have a private space there and can do whatever they want uh, without anyone being able to report it at all uh, I don't think that would be a solution either. So you need to find like some kind of middle ground. And I do think that um, recording a session and only if that is indeed the case, you know, because there's always like a little bit like, you know, if you, if you read in between the rules, if that is indeed the case that they can only see it once it's being reported. I do think that that is a good strategy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, because like, it's interesting because getting the balance right is difficult in social VR. You yeah. know, we, we've, we've seen... Uh, examples with Rec Room, where it's just overrun with kids now, and it's just completely out of control. You know, but it's also only... like all, all these other like Rec Room as well. Like there is some harassment going on there too. Yeah. Uh, but I, I do wonder because Horizon is a little bit, you know, let's say, more you know open about what they're gonna do. Uh, but I feel like almost all these kids are gonna get banned there because these kids, <laughs> what they, you're, yeah, no, I'm, Good I'm, I'm not. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true, because they're usually like kids, they don't really think about what they're saying. Sometimes they're racist, but they don't necessarily want to be racist at all. Um, so I, I feel so like it's going to be like a chaotic kind of thing going on, because are you then going to ban these kids off? Because the Quest, don't forget, a lot of young uh, kids own a Quest. So if you got, they, they, like this is perfect for kids, like Facebook Horizon, the colors and the way everything works, they're going to be attracted by but it. Doesn't it, sure. doesn't it, doesn't it at least a little bit set off an alarm in your head? Like, I mean, I, I, I see the vision, right? I see the vision at the end of the tunnel is, is let's kind of coax behavior through the rules we set on the platform. You don't want to lose your Horizon account. You're going to be locked out from playing with your friends or whatever. I'm talking again to the population, let's say younger than 20. Like Nadie says, you know, don't always know what they're saying, so to speak. Some of them know better, but anyway. And, and, and you know, you're heading that way. But doesn't that also, to some extent, kind of, I'll use the term brainwash, but that's a bit too exciting. Um, you know, brainwash you into just just kind of do as we say. And then it channelizes Social you into this mode yeah. of... It's exactly. And I'm a little bit nervous about that aspect. Like, like what Rowdy was saying, I think that the balance of what they have here is fine. Uh, again, I mentioned GDPR last time. It's not like Facebook is doing this thing out of the goodness of their hearts. They actually, you have to be for, forefront with this. You have to tell them. So why not put it in a video so everyone is aware of this? Um, mm. 
but yeah, that that kind of road, which is like, you know, we've all been kind of sculpted into, you know, use this platform, do what we say. And then and then they, they start to kind of usher in these like little wedges and, and their slight policy changes. And then before long, they've got control of our on mass behavior. Look at yeah. look at Facebook, for example. Um, you know, the, the problem the world has seemingly had with a lot of the Facebook cases that have been reported in the news is places where Facebook hasn't intervened. So I find it kind of interesting that they're making their, to an extent, kind of USP, the unique selling point for this platform, that it's going to be better off. It's going to be a more protected ring-fenced environment mm -hmm. from the likes of VR chat and Rec Room, which are very chaotic, noisy, and really open spectrum. I mean, you put your kids in there, they're going to see and hear anything. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. So I think it's it's weird, though. Like, every every time we talk about this stuff, we go back to Ready Player One because I remember Parzival yeah. saying his real name while IOI is listening in, and then he screwed. So I Although, that's the yeah. extreme version of it, but you get my point. To, to yeah. be clear, though, like uh, from what we've seen so far, you don't ha you only display your um, your like avatar name. You don't display your real name in in Horizon. Um, but one thing, you know, you talked about kids. You know, like obviously Horizon's going to use Facebook accounts. You have to be over thirteen to have a Facebook account. Whether that will stop yeah. parents just giving their kids a headset, I don't know. Um, but it's certainly going to be interesting to see how this works because like obviously VR chat, like you mentioned, they kind of almost the, the community kind of moderates it themselves. And yeah. then you do have uh, reporting features, but you have to record these clips and send them off and then they'll, they'll act accordingly. But this is kind of like a more, you know, uh, a thing that kind of takes all of that uh, effort away from you. You, you don't have mm -hmm. to think about it. You just press the report, report button <laughs> but and it sends the, the, the data over to them. But don't you mm. see? Don't you see? Like, I feel like the thought police is just coming down the road on this one. I really well, do. I feel like, like you start here where you're saying, yeah. okay, do the after the fact recording. Now, after the fact recording, after a year or two, isn't enough. We need to do better than that. It's such we a, need to start yeah. to predict with the data that we've got. You know, is someone going <laughs> to be a bad report. user? Yeah. I'm, I'm absolutely calling on minority report. But that, that, that already happens now, regardless of Facebook. I, I recently I know saw a documentary yeah. on on the I think it's called Private Eye on the the, the, the data that Amazon collects. Mm. Yeah. Sure. And it's insane. They can they can almost exactly predict the amount of days that you'll get sick in the coming years. Yeah. They'll know when you're going on a trip, whether the trip is for business, the people <laughs> that you work with, and that all only from Amazon. They can even track the websites that you visited before you visited the, the Amazon it's website. That's exactly what Elon said, though. You visited after. This is like there, a, there's so much data that yeah. you can collect from from people's behavior and and draw deductions yeah, from that. Just, and an it's, inevitable again, future. it's not only Facebook doing mm -hmm. that. Yeah, but yeah, it's you, the, you, the big difference is Twitter everyone has their eyes on on Facebook. <laughs> Facebook has been you know in the news for so many times in so many bad ways. That's why everyone is constantly oh Facebook is doing this. Oh. Hmm. Tell us more. And again, I'm not, I'm not saying that's a good thing, and I think people should be aware of that. Yeah. But yeah. I don't. I, I think people need to be aware that it's no, no, not yeah, only no, Facebook I, I see, that is doing that. This is something. I mean, um, data is a new oil, like so, they say. Like data is being collected by every single company. Um, mm. But it's the extent that companies like Amazon mm. and like Facebook there's, are doing it that it becomes scary. There's two. It there's is. two things about this specific thing. Like, I find VR chat and Rec Room and stuff like that. Those things are almost unusable to me. Like I, I was, I've been in them and I've tried to return to them many times, but for many reasons, and usually it's user behavior, they're completely unusable or it's a miserable experience just in general. Um, so I get the kind of design philosophy behind what they're trying to do. Like if you take mm -hmm. it at face value and you treat it as an innocent thing, I get why they're, they're instituting that type of policing um, mm -hmm. because they don't want it to turn into those two things, which obviously 
you know, they, they're popular, but they're also like, unless you're like a smarmy teenager, they're not something you want to do very often. No, but the, the, those communities will get at, like, will jump into Facebook Horizon in the end. Yeah, and get banned because there's an actual policing force there. But yeah, um, but then the other side of this is like the the coming metaverse wars. Um, because, yep. because, but this is like, you know, over the next, let's say, 10 years. So let's say Apple becomes the new big competitor to Facebook because they're the only ones that could compete at scale like that. Um, and they have their own walled garden and they will have their own police and they will have their own thing and then maybe there'll be another metaverse that is completely um open source the the this is the rebel version of mm, the metaverse yeah. and yeah. i could see that weird dichotomy happening so it would be very yes. ready player one um, yeah i think you're absolutely right because i think it, after this people will um crave an open platform and i think that's yeah. the thing like if a competitor can crack that make some hardware but just their, their their selling point is this is open and free platform it will certainly attract some people yeah. uh, that it, don't yeah, like this but, but the problem with that is and this is the same thing as what happened with the internet in general for example google is not showing you all of the websites that are out there you yeah. have a dark internet as well a dark web as well yeah. where you can all of that stuff that you find on there you will never find it if you if you type it into google because google is specifically not showing you those websites yeah. that's also a certain form of like if you want to call it social engineering or a certain form of like policing to prevent people from visiting those kind of websites mm -hmm. is is that a good thing um to an extent yes uh, but you can find pro and contra arguments mm -hmm. for that uh, in both ways yeah. but even, even 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 on their own platform can rec room vr chat alt space uh, any others still coexist next to facebook horizon because no. I'm sure that Facebook wants everyone to be in that one, you know, metaverse that we, we call it. Then Rec Room and VR, they all have to go because those are competitors right now on Oculus, their own platform. They're not gonna they're not gonna survive. I don't I don't think they're gonna survive what Facebook is gonna do with Horizon. I think they're gonna keep adding yeah. so much value to the product that people just inevi yeah. inevitably go there. Um it's, it might take some time, but well, the kids can stay in Rec Room as far as I'm concerned. They can I, stay there. <laughs> I really do think it is. I think it's the, the expanding balloon strategy where you, you put in a small balloon into the room. You're like, oh, it's not so bad, right? And as it expands and expands and expands, the competition gets uh, overrun, pushed out, uh, out the door, and you've mm. only got one unified platform it's, left. It's kind of like the inevitable like conclusion to capitalist society. Like Basically, these are new countries. These new metaverses are completely new countries with their own rules and their own laws, and yeah. like that's where we're headed. Which is it's it's both freaky as hell and super exciting. I get excited because that the futurist in me wants to see what that looks like, and yeah. and wants all the drama associated with it. Quite frankly, because I think it's fascinating. Like the whole thing yeah. is so interesting. One one thing I want to touch on as well before we move on um, is that Ben uh, Lang from Road to VR he did a really interesting article about this and sort of just said. One thing that really stuck out in my mind is like, um, if you know going into Horizon that you know you're constantly being recorded, they've got the ability to monitor and record you and watch you at any given point if someone reports you as an individual. Does that then change the way you behave uh, and act, and does it stifle potentially what you might say in a, an experience like that? Yeah, I'm, that's true in normal society too. I think. I, this again goes back to the same kind of conversation we had before. I mean, you're you're probably living your lives away, and you know your phone's monitoring you, and 
I, I like that Denny mentioned uh, Fortnite. It was it was not too long ago. I think it was Fortnite and a couple of other major games. Like they they were looking to kind of out like terrorist rings in that by essentially monitoring and, and surveilling these major game platforms because uh, terrorist factions were using it as a as a kind of a safety uh, right. kind of technology means it's like oh let's get together for a game and we can mm-hmm. talk about yeah. strategy and you can openly say bomb 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 you know and nobody's uh, nobody's caring because you're not doing it over a telephone line so i think that to some extent that surveillance mm-hmm. particularly government surveillance and other kind of bodies as well in terms of the big corporations listening in that's just a part of our existence now it has been for 20 odd years i think we have to kind of uh, get used to that fact uh, and taking putting putting the the can't buy hat on i think uh, again it's just going to come down to keeping keeping your voice uh, and pressing those people who represent your voice whether that be representatives in a in a local political party uh your local regulators or whatever to 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 help keep the companies in check but to denny's point it really looks like this uh these global entities and the internet at large has formed into new uh almost almost it's almost like having another planet that people have stepped off to because Mm. it's no longer bounded by these physical territories and i think if anything um 2020 has only helped uh push the world in that direction so actually the cards are playing out in facebook's favor right now. i can't even imagine how much money is being poured in from corporations across the planet into our new remote way of living just as yeah. a general statement. So this absolutely ties into what a potential, the importance of a potential metaverse and the kind of impact it actually will have. And and yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, crazy. it is crazy. Uh, we've got like Victor Riddell in the chat who's had access to the uh, invite-only beta. And some of the things that he's mentioned in the chat, I'll read them out. Uh, he says, there's a big focus uh, on social VR without the troublesome stuff. Kid swarms, inappropriate content behavior. This comes with more monitoring, monitoring that you would have experienced in existing social VR apps. Uh, he also says the interaction design of the world creation tools is superb. The visual scripting is the most accessible I've ever I've experienced. Super mass market focused product. And then the final comment is from a creator perspective, Horizon is a dedicated mobile VR game making tool I can take anywhere as I create using the Quest. I have zero coding experience and I was able to build up. I was up and building games in two weeks. Um, and I think, you know, like what we touched on earlier with the, the devouring in VR chat, yep. going to be completely possible in Horizon. So we could see these yeah. future budding VR developers of the future creating their first games and worlds in Horizon uh, within the next sort of few months yeah. or so when hopefully it gets released, which I wouldn't be surprised happens during Facebook Connect, but I guess we'll have to wait and see. Uh, we've got three more weeks to wait. I'm very glad that it is like to see that game maker engine in the platform standard social experience is fantastic because I think for people who have to go through the problem solving of game creation, storytelling, um, all the creative aspects that are that are pulled out of you uh, in going through that, if you get that even at a even at a middle age, right? Like if you get that young age or middle age, it can really change your direction um, if if you really get an appetite for that. But getting getting access to those tools kind of at a base level is really important. And I don't think that maybe Rec Room has gotten the closest I've seen, but certainly VR Chat isn't easy to go and develop like what we played, uh, which is quite complex and takes a lot of behind the scenes work. Mm-hmm. But if something is, is setting you up with those starter tools, I think that's uh, that's a positive, at least one silver lining on this cloud. It will be super I, interesting I think... to track this uh, over the next coming months and years and see yeah. see how 
where where this goes and how this goes and how the community reacts and you know if they're they're just reaching for a community beyond the enthusiasts and it just goes for the wider market that don't necessarily care about facebook branding yeah. I, I do think we should like maybe move on yeah we should because <laughs> we still we, we, we're gonna hit the two hour mark yeah, yeah, yeah. We, like we, should, we should we should <laughs> so next up let's talk about um medal of honor so if you caught the Gamescom opening night live stream from Jeff Keighley this week, uh, we had a few interesting VR announcements from the show. Uh, we saw some more footage of Star Wars Squadrons, which looks amazing. I'm so, so excited for that game. Uh, although the footage did kind of confirm that it, I do think it's going to be really intense. And I don't think maybe people are talking about that enough. I think mm -hmm. this is going to be a super intense experience. But I think if you've got the legs for it, you're going to have like the best time ever. And I think it's going to be incredible. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, we don't have that much longer to wait for that. Uh, we also got a tease of the new uh, of a new Sam and Max game, uh, which is which took me completely by surprise. So random, so random, so random. Like if you're uh, you know if you lived uh, in in the the era of the the sort of you know early '90s, you probably played a, a point and click Sam and Max game at some point. Uh, this one's going to be called Sam and Max. This time it's virtual, uh, which uh, is going to be coming in 2021. Again, um, I, I was like, I was looking at this. I do remember seeing these characters before, but I had to already Google this stuff. I'm like, who yeah. the heck are these like characters and why should I be excited about this? But the yeah. humor in that trailer was funny. So Yeah, they, they, to, they're, uh... they're a great, they're a great pair of characters and I'm sure it's <laughs> going to be a really fun game. Uh, but of course, the big hitter uh, from the show was, of course, Medal of Honor Above and Beyond from Respawn Entertainment. And this is uh, an Oculus exclusive title been in development for a long time now i'm thinking like three to four years dude it's so long in development that the first trailer that you can find about this game they're playing with the rift cv1 yeah yeah so that that, so. that says something and i i remember it being announced during oc4 i was sitting there with caleb our oh, reality check vr in, in, in the show ago. yeah and, and we <laughs> remember seeing it together and thinking oh that'd be cool next mm. year yeah. three four years later here we are but it's coming this fall or this holidays anyway so we don't have to wait too much longer mm. thankfully um but if you've been living under a rock and you don't know anything about the the medal of honor game that's coming soon uh it's going to be set in world war ii uh where you'll complete a tour of duty across europe and you'll be collaborating with the french resistance to sabotage nazi operations from behind enemy lines mm. and certainly from the trailer this new trailer is is very different feeling from the original trailer we saw last yeah. year this feels a lot grittier, a lot darker, and I think it benefits from that, in my opinion. Yeah, um, yeah. And I think what was also great that I picked up on was from the interviews with Respawn, uh, that they really want to show respect for veterans and survivors who, who lived through this era, and they really want to tell these kind of stories from this time. Mm -hmm. So I'm hoping it's going to be a fun game, of course, but I really hope that there's some learning to be done in this as well and you can really kind of get a small taste of what it would have been like to be in the boots of these guys uh many years ago who had no choice but to go to war yeah. um a bit like the feeling that we got playing the berlin blitz bbc experience you know when yeah. you're in the the bomber going over berlin you know that kind of like trepidation yeah. yeah and you're kind yeah. of like you get a sense of that fear you get a sense of that you know you don't know what's going to happen it's very uncertain yeah. it's scary um, but also you're learning as well at the same time. And yeah, I think there, there's... if they can get that right, I think they're onto yeah. a really solid game I mean, here. I mean, there's nothing wrong with a high entertainment level. Uh, look at Bioshock, for example. Bioshock is super fun to play, but in the end, the story is about racism, about all these problems that we have in the real world. And, and with um, a Medal of Honor above and beyond, they, they pull up the same. You know, like the fact that they decided to go back to, uh, you know, the D-Day, the you know, Operation Overlord and... 
deciding to let you relive that part. It's like documenting history in, mm. in a new immersive way that we have never seen before. And you need to know, like a lot of young generations who are gonna play this game, they never lived in a time where there was war. So even that there is a lot of entertainment going on, if there, as you said, is a good story, then you can have fun, but also learn that we never want to have a war like the one we had in 1945 uh, ever again. So I'm, I'm super pumped. And if you look at the first trailer and you compare it to this new one, they have worked a lot on the mechanics. They have worked a lot on also the visuals. It looks way better. As you said, there is less of this comical kind of, you know, vibe to it. Although if you look at the protagonist, I did have a feeling we were kind of looking at uh, Agent Blasco Feach from Wolfenstein a little bit because he was like, you know, Nazi, you know, like that. Um, but that's fine. If there is like a serious part to it and also funny part, that's cool. Um, yeah. But yeah, it it looks it looks great. I do have a kind of like an arcadey kind of feel to it. I don't know about you. Uh, yeah, yeah, me as well. And that's also I was fine, looking at it but... and it feels like a little bit like more linear than I thought it would be. Like from the trailer that I've seen, of course, I don't know how the game is. And I know that uh, I think Tyrell played it on Oculus Connect. I didn't manage well, to do so. As one of the uh, but he said people. it didn't feel linear at all when he was playing it. But oh, from the trailer, okay. and I get that, of course, because they want to show like, you know, awesome bits and, and, and those are often in a more linear fashion. Um, from the trailer, it did look a little bit more like it was more linear experience well, or like you know you're on a tank more or you know, more uh, some some scenes that or... you see um because I, i'm working on a video right now about why medal of honor is, is 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 great for the vr industry and why it in some parts also isn't because you know we need more competition in the in the gaming scene and this one is again funded by facebook but um what I saw is that, for example, when you fall, like if you watch the trailer, you see someone falling out of the plane. That seems to be a part of like a cutscene where you just see your arms, you know, dangling around and you can just look at all the planes. But it's not like where in Airborne you could jump out of a plane and then uh, decide where you want to land in this kind of like open world style game. But it seems to be more on rails from time to time where you have a cut, like the factor where you were looking at a cutscene. You're a part of it. But you can't move in it, you know? And then there are parts where you can. So it's going to be a mix of that. Um, because the trailer looks super interactive, for sure. But there are definitely parts that are more like a cinematic experience, like oh. Vader Immortal, than really an actual game. I mean, in terms of the trailer, I think it's a it's a whole, like, parade of, of various VR scenes. Like, the, the kind of interactions that you can see, the game mechanics that are, that are displayed... Uh, look really fun. Uh, I was super enthused to see a trailer sans any HUD. I know that's not an unexpected comment for me. I'm not a HUD fan. I think it takes you out of the immersion. Um, how that plays out in the actual game, as opposed to the trailer, I don't know. Um, I, I suppose there probably will be HUD options for people who like it. Um, but I'm like it, it looks. It looks like the kind of thing that I felt when I was playing. It was one of the Call of Duties that was uh, touching on uh, World War II as well, where again you were starting off landing on the beach and all that. It was quite a gritty start, although an arcadey experience. Yeah. But it still kind of landed with me in a really um, heavy way uh, because there were certain elements. You lost certain parts of your party. Some people don't make it. It's not just a hero fest like, you know, like Hollywood. Uh, some Hollywood films have become. Um, yeah. So Medal of Honor, I, I played the first game when it landed on PC. And at that time, I would have told you that, you know, it felt really immersive. And I was playing all kinds of those types of games like Day of Defeat and stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. I'm really glad that this era has um kind of brought us back um to that part of our history yeah. uh, to retell it again through vr and so far it looks like that it's been in the oven the right amount of time it's gotten the right amount of detail and 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 
Again, we've talked about Alex before and other games that are kind of heavy hitters. I'm glad to see things spend more time baking, yeah. come out with polish. Like I, I'm happy to wait and chew on happy little indie kernels until these big heavy hitters land. Yeah. So I'm glad what they've done with this one so far. It looks very exciting. Um, I think it's a really interesting dichotomy between the people who've just been kind of scared off the Oculus platforms and uh, and 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 titles like this then landing that are you know, mm. exclusives. Well, you know what's so interesting about this new gameplay reveal is that at the very end, and I haven't not really seen this that much, is that um, they they say that it's coming out this holiday, so that could be November, December, who knows? And then what you see, it's not just Oculus Rift as that pops up that you can play it on. They have Oculus Rift as on one side, and they have Quest on the other side, saying Quest with Link. So this shows again that Quest is slowly you know overshadowing the rift s because before when they made a new title like stormland or lone echo or defector they promoted it as a um rift exclusive right but now it's like oh yeah uh yeah rift s we don't know how many people are really still you know so let's just throw the quest in because that's so it's interesting to see that where they now treat it really as a hybrid, where it's not a standalone uh, only, but it's also this is a new PC VR headset that we also uh, allow you to play, you know, Medal of Honor. On. It's gonna cause trouble, I think, in my opinion, with that. I, I mean, having seen that, it's a little bit like misadvertised. There's a lot of people who have quests who don't have PCs. Uh, I don't know what that cut is. Maybe Denny, you've got some insight in it, but um, you know, how many people? actively use link with their quests versus those who are just vanilla quest users i would imagine it's like an 80 20 or even less on link um certainly from I the, think, the, I think the steam vr hardware stats it was going up you know the the use of quest on on the steam vr platform so that's a good indication um and yeah. i think it was as high as 10 percent I, I indeed think you need to turn around, not look at um, um, a game that is also available on Quest, but I think you need to look at the comparison between Rift S and Oculus Quest with Link. Mm. But, oh, but I think the problem was, the confusion was that people thought it was coming to Quest when they saw that initially, and it had to be like drummed yeah. into people that, no, it's not coming to Quest, it's on PC platform. Um, but certainly, you know, another thing that was interesting was that they announced that there's multiplayer coming, and that yeah. it was confirmed... Um, by Oculus later on that that is in fact the case and that's the first time we've heard that a multiplayer mode will be coming to the game and hopefully that, that is the funniest part of, of this live opening I've seen because the game director was yes. like Jeff was surprising him for sure because you could see in his eyes he's like oh god now I need to tell them about the multiplayer and he gave the strangest answer it I've was ever really heard weird. I was like what are you trying to say here what it comes down to to me at least personally is that they're not going to go for uh, a classic multiplayer we know from Medal of Honor, 16 players, uh, deathmatch, uh, objective-based stuff, or something else. Uh, it's going to be some small co-op missions, but nothing major. I think he wasn't—he didn't sound very excited either. So I—I I don't really know. I have I low expectations. Took that as a surprise. I, yeah, I—I I thought it was bizarre in the way he answered. But <laughs> what I took from that, Nathy, was um, that they were going to segment the PC and vr markets because and i think that there is he talked about you know the leaning around a corner for instance and how mm-hmm. natural that is in vr you think about that from a competitive uh, advantage yeah well that's what i, I wonder if too, they yeah. would just segment the two and just put you know just have them separate because he did mention the kind of segregation in modes i would i would rather expect them to, to stay yeah. true to their medal of honor multiplayer roots because that was very important in the first time yeah, but if you if you look at oculus their history because don't forget facebook funded this title 
And I think they yeah. mainly funded this because they wanted to sell a campaign to people to get them uh, buying a quest, get them buying a Rift S. So I, I don't know. I don't expect it myself to see a multiplayer, but I do want to because Respawn has a great history of making games. They made Star Wars, uh, you know, a Jedi Fallen Order. They made the Titanfall games that are great multiplayers, and they also made Apex Legends. So it, they know, as one of the best studios out there, how to make a proper multiplayer. It has been confirmed that it is multiplayer. It will have multiplayer modes, or like yeah, uh, yeah, uh, yeah. But it, it, multiplayer can also be co-op. Yeah. So we're, what we're what we're kind of debating, Mike, is rather hmm. the difference between, let's say, your standard kind of PvP like eight v eight map, right? And I, I actually think when I saw that, it's one of the first like heavy hitting offerings that have this dedicated campaign spine to it, which, as we know, works very well with a VR audience. But added to that, multiplayer, if they do proper multiplayer, like a dead and buried yeah. type multiplayer, which I'm expecting now. Mm. Um, yeah, you know, why, why, why don't you then promote that? Because the guy didn't really say it. It's, I, it I think you're sound, right. You know what I mean? Like, maybe maybe he was surprised. He's probably just maybe waiting. Wanted, He's waiting. Yeah, they wanted to maybe announce that at Facebook Connect, maybe. The, and they, Yeah. The thing I'm really curious about with with that game in particular, so I have a confession confession to make. I didn't finish Half Life Alex, and I'm a massive fan of Valve. Um, the reason I, I, I'm working my way through it, I'm working my way through it, but very very slowly. And part of that is because it is an emotionally intense, super dark. Um, uh, something that is emotionally only connectable in VR in the way that it is, where I, f I feel completely powerless. I'm in this oppressive environment. I can only take it in like an hour or two stints at a time because it's just got this super emotionally draining component to it. Um, any game that's kind of like touching on the edges of realism and, and especially like a World War II game, I'm really curious about what kind of mental toll that's going to take on players whether they actually enjoy the experience or they're just so uh, adrenaline deficient because they've been taxed so much emotionally that it, they actually don't have fun. <laughs> you know, it's an interesting, interesting dichotomy. Are, are you, are you, do you mean it because of now with the pandemic where people have more, they're more loaded well, or just, just in general? There's that too. Uh, I would say in general, but yeah, especially because everybody's so under, under such a great deal of stress. Um, okay. I'm just curious how it will actually perform, given that um, the more realistic or the more you lean into like historical events or, or anything that that feels more emotionally real, like it's it's a different thing in VR. Like it and is, it, it and it very heavy and it actually isn't fun at a certain point unless you're trying to teach a historical lesson or something. That's, that, that's right. a very that's a very interesting take, because when I play World War Two games, I don't really feel that I enjoy it, but I also uh, you know, sometimes cry while I'm playing because there are like certain parts of the game that are beautiful in terms of the story or horrible. Um, it's like watching a movie for me of like two yeah. hours and I have mixed emotions, but I keep playing and I don't feel like I'm getting stopped by it. But what you're saying, yeah, I, I, I can see that happen, especially at VR being so, so immersive. You know, D-Day, you know, on a pancake screen in the first Medal of Honor, it's going to be a total yeah. different story in VR. Totally. But that mental tax, like I, I have definitely experienced that. I mean, I, I, I went really heavy hitting into a lot of horror titles, uh, which can which can do that. Like your adrenaline runs. And then afterward, you feel like VR already. I've always had this theory that like you're, you're overspending yourself. It's almost like overclocking yourself because your body is tracking the physical and then it's tracking the virtual on top of that. 
And I've always found that the two of those, like I feel spent after VR sessions in ways that I, I didn't in flat gaming. Yeah. Um, but add another layer on top of that, like like horror experience, things that are very, very heavy, can be emotionally heavy, can be just stressful. Um, it takes a toll. And I've always, I've always felt that like VR is... Um, it's more uh, like exercise uh, a lot of times, actually, when you're when you're playing, let alone pistol whip, <laughs> which is real exercise. But like the mental tax of it, as you mentioned, not a lot of people talk about it. So I'm glad you uh, yeah. you mentioned it. Well, I just yeah. it, I, like I wonder if they've paced the game in a way that mm. that lets you kind of take a breather. Um, yeah, because yeah. it's important in VR, and I'm sure they had design conversations about that. It Anyways. also depends how how much they want to show, how shocking they want to make this, because World War II is full yeah. of crazy stuff that has happened. So you know, how far do you want to go with that? I, I felt that D Day on itself is already for pretty, sure. Uh, but, but now I want now I want something else. Now I want like 1917, the VR game, where literally you start from the beginning to end, and it's designed in a way that like. You're meant to pick up the headset every day and do some hours or something yeah. through the story. I mean, maybe not as bludgeoningly as the devouring did to us, where you know you had to you had to finish in <laughs> yeah, one that sitting. Was, yeah, that was pretty rough as it was. But I would like I would actually encourage uh, developers to think about that. That kind of single That's shot, single character. Forget the loading scenes. Design something like that. Uh, I'd be I'd be keen to, to actually most... try that out. But most games have been built in a way where you, the gamer, gets addicted straight away and you just want to complete it in one run. That's usually how most of the games felt to me, you know, while I'm playing them. So I finish them in like three days because they are so good and then mm. you're done. But yeah, if it's more balanced, then I would be down for that. So yeah, let's uh, wrap it up then uh, in terms <laughs> of like Medal of Honor that's coming. Like um, holidays. Uh, hopefully we'll get some more information about the multiplayer mode uh, during Facebook Please. Connect in three weeks' time. Yes. I think we're just going to skip the Qualcomm XR2 Ultra Leap um, mm. uh, news and we'll just yeah. jump straight oh. to uh, the discussion with Denny and maybe we can cover that in uh, next week's news. It's not massively important. Um, it's just basically that um, Ultra Leap, the creators of uh, Leap Motion, are going to be integrating into the XR2 chip. But I'll cover it in more detail maybe at next least, week. At least we got something to talk about next week then, right? To yeah, look forward that, to. That, that is true. We've got actually loads <laughs> to talk about. I've been delaying a lot of stuff just recently. Oh, okay. okay. Um, but yeah, let's talk to Denny then uh, about like Cloudhead Games, uh, the Gallery Episodes 1 and 2, and Pistol Whip. If you've got any questions for Denny as well, like chuck them in the chat and we'll try and keep reading some out as we go along. Um, but maybe we should just start like we normally do with most of our guests on the show and maybe just like uh, give us a little introduction in, into like how you got into VR leading up to sort of getting involved with, with Cloudhead Games. Oh, oh sure. Um, <laughs> thanks for having me again, guys. I really appreciate it. I love your show and good on you for continuing to do it. Your episode what now? 154. Four. Four. Yeah. Good, good job. I hope you don't stop. Thank you. Um, <laughs> thanks. Yeah, so I um I I was working in advert gaming, like doing flash games and stuff for BBC and weird weird things like that. <laughs> and uh I I was always a VR enthusiast and kind of a basement VR hacker guy. I made like collimated displays and all kinds of weird stuff. Um and through that I met Palmer Lucky on a, a BBS board um uh and now I'm drawing a blank on what it's called. Is it like the mod Me forums meant to be meant to be seen? Yes, yeah. it was a, it was an old uh, kind of VR garage hacker forum, and Palmer at that point was just pulling together different bits and pieces of hardware. Everybody was experimenting with different, like taking bits of this and that and slamming them together to try to find this kind of right balance of a good 
VR headset. Um, but he came up with this, you know, kind of brilliant thing where he was taking cell phone parts and accelerometers and leap optics um, for very wide field of view in a single display. And he had put them together in such a way that it was clear like this was an uh, important kind of step in, in VR's evolution. And he was going to send a bunch of us, I think there was like 160 of us, um, uh, just pieces of a kit to put together ourselves. And that's about when the time when uh, he sh had shown Carmack uh, the first really rough prototype of that. And Carmack got super excited and then, of course, introduced him to a bunch of industry players. And everything started to snowball really, really fast. And so at that time, I... Uh, the Kickstarter kind of started to come up and I, I did the first Oculus logo and a bunch of weird stuff swirling around that. Uh, and I, I you know, was obviously dissatisfied with where I was working. It wasn't my dream job by any means. And uh, I just decided to take the money from one of my prior businesses um, and put it into doing a VR game like an idiot because there was no no promise of a market there was no <laughs> like th this was a kickstarted headset that you know back then who knows could have sold 3,000 units or something um, but I'm like screw it we'll just we'll make something and I so I brought in some a, a couple close friends that had worked with me prior um, and we just started building the first um, episode of the gallery which at that time was just called the gallery um, there was no trilogy or anything at that, that point. Uh, and it was, uh, quite a different game at that point, but it was, it was always this idea of like mixing like Goonies and Indiana Jones and make sort of making you like this central character in a, in a action fantasy movie kind of thing. Um, and what, what could we do to enable that? And, uh, you know, there was no hand tracking. There was no, there was no sixth off. Like you couldn't, you couldn't pitch your head forward. There was, there was nothing. Um, so we started looking. We're like, well, of course there's going to be hand tracking. Of course there will be, but there was no guarantee of hand tracking. In fact, every <laughs> single stage, like for those first three years and in, in twenty started twenty thirteen, I guess moving forward, uh, we just kept being told, well, we're thinking about it, but like it's a complicated problem. We're probably just going to do a gamepad and. Uh, so the company Sixth Sense, uh, we reached out to them. Uh, we we got the you know the Razer Hydra, and we actually had our earlier version of that as well, like a super early um, prototype that they had. And it, it what it allowed us to do was stick a tracker on the head, so we could simulate sixth off, and and hand tracking. <laughs> and so we were building this thing that we had no guarantees would ever come to market because we, those things just didn't exist yet really. But we knew, I guess, uh, in, intuitively that, you know, for VR to feel good, you need to use your hands to interact with things. Right. And so we just kept plodding along and, and there were so many heartbreaks talking to Palmer over the years and, and Oculus about, you know, cause they were like stoically on, you know, no VR is a seated experience and no, it's just using a gamepad and no, 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 no. Uh, and so many, many times we had to kind of shift course and go, okay, well, if this is gamepad, we even built a gamepad version of the game at one point. Um, and it felt terrible, but, uh, Anyways, we, we kept evolving the game and what it was as the hardware kept growing. So every six months, there was a new iteration of hardware with some kind of new major feature, sixed off, blah, blah, blah. And so every time... That must I have been a nightmare. It was. So it, it that production was um, super exciting and 
the hardest thing I've ever done in my life because, and, and it took a toll on all of us, because there was no rule book for anything. There was there was no easy Google search for well how do you handle so when it when it when it was seated 180, uh, how do you handle rotation like when you're using a stick based locomotion system? So we had to build uh, uh, um, we called it comfort mode VR comfort mode which is snap turns you know in VR and we were then we were just thinking about you know how does a ballerina spin and and they're always setting their position by looking at one fixed point how do we emulate that in software and then. Uh, once that evolved and then suddenly you could stand up and get full six off tracking, it was like, okay, now we kind of have our, our room scale space. What do we, what do we do with that? And then we, we made something called blink and uh, locomotion, which accounted for an elastic play space. Like it might be just the spot in front of your desk, or it might be a garage size. It, it could be anything. And we're like, Oh shit. How do you, how do you account for somebody walking past their, their boundaries? Like what, what, what visual tools are we giving users so they, that we're resetting them in the environment? Um, a whole bunch of really hard problems um, with really exciting journeys to get to answers, but it was always on the six month cycle of new hardware. And then as the industry grew, then Valve came in and they're like, we, we wanna bring you to Bellevue and show you something. And so we were in this tiny meeting with, uh, uh, you know, Alex from Alchemy and uh, there were a few kind of uh, the, the guys from Tiltbrush and like a, there were a bunch of people in that room that were doing these weird things in VR. And then they introduced uh, HTC. They're like, oh, we're working with HTC. And we're going to build this new headset and it's full room scale and it uses lasers to track you in an environment. And, <laughs> and we're going to do hand tracking. Right. And this was at the time when Oculus was still on the like, no, it's seated 180. It's gamepad. Um, yeah. And so we're like, well, of course we have to start putting some time into developing stuff with valve and so that's that's where we really pushed hard on room scale and hand tracking because there was obviously a path to market there that made sense and uh and then oculus sort of eventually shifted more into that mode as well where they were actively encouraging room scale and st standing and and hand control and all of that good stuff Anyways, very long story short, it was just like this constant cycle of not knowing what hardware would actually be there by the time we launched our first product and mm -hmm. always having to invent to make everything work. So we, the game was remade probably six times, wow. um, which was uh, really stressful. Um, and But the great thing about that was, though, that you had those, because uh, I still remember that very vividly, you, you had those dev diaries that you did both on your Kickstarter and several other, like yeah. YouTube and stuff like that. And I remember I literally lived for those because I still remember with the, with the Sixth Sense, I believe it was called the STEM system yep. that they were STEM, developing yeah. then. The STEM system, and you were showing like how you were like, climbing a ladder. Yeah. And it was at that point that I personally decided I'm going to start a YouTube channel doing this kind of stuff. Oh, awesome. And yeah. it's... It, it's really like, you know, the, the, the kind of stuff that you showed, because people are saying in the chat as well, like, for example, Alexander Major, Major says that uh, he's being very modest, but Cloudhead Games solved locomotion VR and they are not credited for doing so. And I do share that opinion. I think many of us do, uh, that the kind of stuff that you showed back then in such an early, such an early uh, stage showed like you know the direction where this technology could go and you were really pushing the forefront of that and you know i, I think we all really admired that um and, and also that, that, uh, along with the locomotion uh, you also had the inventory system you also had this like backpack system who you know yeah. if you've never played the gallery basically you've got this backpack 
that you could pull off your shoulder and you could yeah. manage your inventory that way. And if yeah. you play if you play like the Walking Dead Saints and Sinners now, it's basically mm -hmm. the same. It's basically even, that design. Even when we played the Devouring, I was constantly saying, "Where's my backpack? I want that <laughs> backpack." And then I think about the gallery, but also the way that's what I remember is that when you grabbed an item from the table, it just flipped in a way where it was like super realistic and that's what you now see with you know uh half the fireworks scene on the, on the beach oh, like that God. was just amazing or, <laughs> or sleeping sleeping in the tent to get that one achievement <laughs> sleeping yeah. in the tent so i've got a question like how um because obviously it was very early days then like how did you end up like going from okay we're we're an indie studio we're gonna make uh, a game that's vr how did that that then transform into a relationship with Valve where you're being invited to these like really niche, small little events with other sort of developers that are creating stuff around that sort of time as well? Yeah, Chet Falasek. Well, first of all, I want to say something about Sixth Sense. Um, Amir, who, you know, the CEO of Sixth Sense, I, I have to shout out to him because a lot of people give him shit for a bunch of things, um, for being boisterous and whatever. There's, But that man was always the most gentle, giving, um, supportive guy in VR, like hands down. And he helped us uh, on our way to many conventions early on, and he would give us booth space for free and made a lot of really important introductions for us. And Sixth Sense provided the original technology for hand tracking that I actually honestly thought would carry over into other partnerships. Like I thought it would have been a part of Oculus or maybe even Valve. They all they all came up with their own solutions. Um, but just shout out to Sixth Sense and Amir because they, they did a lot for Cloudhead early on. Anyways, uh, Chet Falasek, uh, who was you know at, at Valve at the time and kind of like VR's cheerleader there, he came to, he was at a convention and I was showing off one of the first earlier versions of the gallery with Sixth Sense uh, hand tracking. And uh, it was seated at that time, I think. But yeah, so you had kind of threed off in hands. Um, so there were snap turns and all that kind of stuff happening. Um, and he, Chet came, and I didn't actually know who Chet was at the time, but he came mm -hmm. and tried the demo and he played it and he was kind of silent through the whole thing and doing his thing. And then afterwards he said, that's the first VR experience I've played where I haven't felt sick. And, and he was super impressed with that part of it, that aspect of it. And also because he was interacting with objects and he's like, we should talk. And that's, that's kind of how it started. Um, and so Valve was kind of like looking for developers that were pushing the edges that way so that they could eventually show the first sort of demo and prototype of the, the mm -hmm. Vive at that time. So we, we ended up building like a room scale demo for the Vive that was an, it was actually a really cool demo uh, set in the earlier world of the gallery on this weird elevator, and there was this giant rock monster. There's a video mm. of it out there. Oh, yeah, I, re I remember. I've been running it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and it was a really, really fun experience to do that, but the timeline was ridiculous. And at that time, we were using the, the prototype Vive. I don't know if you guys have probably oh, wow. seen these. Oh, I've seen This is yeah. cool. Yeah, this is, this is gonna be awesome. Oh wow, look at that. That is a, that <laughs> is like a that is like a, a proper relic. That is Yeah, I gotta put this in glass somewhere. For audio listeners, you've got a the, the front of a Vive looks like it melted down another half. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I've never seen this. It's version. like they have a nose module. Yeah. <laughs> wow, and that is awesome. Yeah, what's at the back? There's like a plate at the back as well. So the, it's because it's two cell phones hung vertically. Right. And they didn't like they didn't even cut the screen. They, they, there was no time. It was like get this done fast. Um 
I don't know if I have controllers. I do somewhere. Hang on. Are they like the sombrero ones? Yeah, I've got some really early, early ones. So, um, so this means that you have seen that that special room with all those, you know, uh, the little... fiducial markers. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And then we got. Oh yeah. wow. We went through yeah. a few okay. versions of these, and what was hilarious about them was so we were scrambling to build this demo for the first room scale demo, um, and they kept breaking like the the cords kept uh breaking so we would we would get something working so we could test it for like 10 minutes and then the controllers would break and then we'd have to like duct tape it or solder it and then they would break again and then we're like okay it's working everybody run in and test the thing it was crazy um this is amazing but uh yeah i'm, I'm losing my my train of thought a lot of things happened during chat that yeah um so chat chat was the one that introduced you to valve yeah and then so You've been working on this like experimental hardware um, up leading up until obviously the Vive. So then what happens that like you've got the game established, you know, the Vive releases, you then release the gallery. Like what was the, um, you know, the, the community reaction around the game and, and, you know, how did it perform in terms of sales? Did, was it something you anticipated or was it more or was it less? How did that work out? Uh, it was it, it did really well in the beginning of the market because the market was very small. Um, and it was actually bundled, the Call of the Star Seed was bundled with the Vive. I, um, it was the second bundle that they had done. The first one was uh, Job Sim and there were a few other titles in there. Um, so it it performed very well and it was on a lot of people's computers. Um, so it's interesting, like we we did the, the Blink system teleport and like accounted for room scale and, and boundaries and the, the craziest part of that is like we were developing um, a way to show a user a, a physical boundary when they approach the edge of their play space at the same time that Valve was. And so we were we were like completely um, overlapping each other because we both know it, knew it needed to be there, but neither of us had it done, but we knew it had to be done by the time the thing launched. So we both had different competing systems. It was such a weird time. But uh, the reason I'm saying that is like kind of the reception to the Call of the Starseed was, you know, ac really excellent. And it was kind of the first time people saw, you know, how you could engage with the medium in a, in a really immersive way. Um, but it also became kind of a contentious thing because that's when you started hearing people go, well, why do I have to like teleport? In the environment and the, the specific reason we did teleportation as the first safe thing to do was because you know 90 percent of users their first time in vr would get sick on stick move um mm. and we even had an early portalization version for stick move that would bring in the fov um at based mm. on acceleration but we decided to go whole hog on teleportation as the first thing to do and didn't actually put that in the first game um but again, contentious issue, still a contentious issue. I don't want to do I don't want to do teleportation. I want stick move. But the thing about it is, and it's a really weird psychological thing, is that stick move takes you out of the experience to a degree. There is a loss. Both of them do, but in very different ways. Teleportation takes you out because it's an unnatural way of going from A to B. Uh, stick move takes you out of the experience because you feel like you're um, in a wheelchair floating through a space and it, it's not realistic at all. Uh, 
Teleportation, on the other hand, if you're using a room scale volume, it forces mm. you to be physical in your space. It forces you to physically move around and engage with, with that area of environment. And you feel very grounded, like you feel like you're in it. Whereas when you're floating around with a stick, you're, you're kind of ghostly. Like the, the immersion, the sense of immersion and, and deep presence isn't quite there. So it's anyways, we were, we've always had that battle. And in subsequent games, when we did Heart of the Emberstone, the second episode, uh, we included a stick stick mode stick move mode, and it wasn't as sticky. Like it wasn't as present. Um, and it's it was it's a really subtle thing. And unless you're like forcing people to do one or the other, it's it's hard for them to kind of know the difference. Mm. Yeah. So how did um so how did the studio then move from okay we've done the gallery episodes one and two you know do we do the gallery episode three how did that then end up getting abandoned potentially and then moving on to like pistol whip? How did that concept come about? Abandoned. <laughs> or was it abandoned? Or, you know, what happened there? Maybe you can tell us. Uh, yeah, there's, there, I, I won't go all into it all here. It would be great to talk about it um, in depth another time, but um, obviously the way that the market, when we look at the VR market in general, it's it's the best way to think about it is to like transpose the PC flat screen gaming market onto the VR market and go, okay, so if um, your popular genres are like first person shooter, horror, action, adventure, puzzle solving, what what is that? What are those percent percentages actually break down into? So like you might have like a really high first person shooter percentage, like it's like you know, 70% of the market, that's what they want. And then everything else distills down. So by the time you get down to like a puzzle solving adventure game, it's like 10% of the market. So yep. in, in PC, you can do a really great business making adventure games. If you do something quality and you get it out there, there's millions and millions and millions of adventure gamers that would love your game. We did that in VR as our first game. And <laughs> so there's 10% of the active user base in VR, which is very small, very, very small. <laughs> it's, you know, uh, it, back then it was, you know, it, was it a million? Was it a bit more? Like it was, it was a very, very small group. So your, your costs for production, because we, we tried to make these like pretty high production value experiences mm -hmm. for a small team. Like we were a very, very tiny team. But uh, anyways, the economics of it, just aren't there like it's not that people that it's not that the people that want to play adventure games aren't buying the game they all did but it was only 10 percent of the market because that's yeah, the yeah, 10 percent that want to buy your game um so you're you're talking very very low numbers so when moving into episode three and we had planned out a, you know a pretty big um tranche of work for episode three and it also included kind of going back and revisiting episode one and two and doing kind of like a gold version of those products and then uh kind of bumping them up to modern standards um so it would have kind of rounded out everything and that's still not off the table by the way it's just that mm. when looking at the market and where the market was and and to understand this you kind of have to go back to uh, 2018, 2019. In 2018 and 2019, the VR market in general was in serious shit. Like it was in yeah. serious trouble. I, I, you know, I'm a firm, I'm a fanboy through and through. Uh, but we, we were um, running on, you know, uh, like a six month uh, burn. We, we had six months, and a lot of wow. our, a lot of our peers in the in the industry were doing worse and starting to shut down. Um, 
the markers we were looking for, honestly, were we knew that Valve was going to release their new headset. We had early access to um, the Index, and we knew that Oculus was going to release um, the Quest. And we're like, th these two products are addressing most of the problems and concerns that consumers had with VR. So if yeah. those two products don't actually get us over the hill in, in terms of adoption, uh, then we probably have to pivot or get out of the industry. Um, but knowing this, uh, we're like, okay, what's going to suit something like the Quest? <laughs> you know, what, <laughs> like just in terms of, um, you know, what, what's the graphic fidelity? Uh, it, it has to be something that people can understand within 30 seconds. It should be a tool to onboard new users to VR. Like it, it's got to do a bunch of things right. And it's got to be simple. And cause we went down the rabbit hole the entirely different way. You know, we had climbing and deep interactions yeah. and all this shit. And we're like, well, in the end, what was it good for? I mean, sure, it inspired some people to do some things, uh, but it, it, you know, it didn't b actually benefit our studio financially. Mm. But isn't that, isn't, <laughs> that, isn't that challenging to go from, well, you know, the gallery to something that is pistol whip? As you said, it's simpler in its way of how you approach it. So you must have been kind of like, okay, the whole thing process needs to be different for, for this one. Yes, uh, it, it was difficult, um, but it was in some ways really liberating because we knew that if we focused on a simple thing, uh, it would get us somewhere better contextually, yeah. just in terms of, so the design challenge changed from, can we build a game that uses one button? And, and can we build, can we also build a game where we don't have to tell you how to move your body? Uh, can we can we make it so that your lizard brain instinctively tells you how to move <laughs> because you're terrified of being shot or hitting a wall or whatever? So it all it all kind of bubbled up from that premise, like uh, mm. something that we don't really have to explain. It's one button. You could throw your grandparents into it. They would get it mm. intuitively instantly. Um, and so that was the design philosophy mm. going into Pistol Whip, which, which actually is harder than it sounds. And the really tough thing about it was we're like, you know what? Locomotion is such a contentious issue. Screw it. We're not even going to we're not even going to mentally task the user to think about locomoting like at all. Mm. So how do we do that? And so we started working really hard at what it, what is the constant forward velocity that we can safely get away with that won't make people sick? Um, where, where, how do we focus a user's attention in the space so that they are not constantly side strafing or looking behind them? Um, how, um, th there's a lot of deep complexity in the environments themselves in terms of how much visual stimuli are in the textures, um, and in the geo that actually had an influence on how sick it made people. We had a small test group of like maybe 50 people, um, come through and we were constantly pulling like what was your comfort level, right? Um, we're, we're the worst judges of that because we're in VR all the time. Mm, yeah. But mm. but getting new people in, it was a really fascinating thing. So we we ended up dialing in all these really weird little um, perceptual factors that made traveling down a constant hallway and hiding the start-stop moments and all of that, all those little mm. tricks feel good for like 99% of people. We've had, I don't know, we've had maybe like three comments from you know, thousands and thousands of players saying that they felt any discomfort. Part mm. of it is because you're, you're so fixated on uh, survival that your brain actually off, uh, this is a theory, but your brain actually off 
offsets um, the perceptual or the cognitive load of forward motion because you are intently focused on surviving and, and aim, you're, you're, put, you're put to task, right? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I'm, ram I'm rambling. <laughs> No, it's great. I think Chad is loving it as well. They're, they're calling it the, a history lesson of VR. So oh. that's, uh, it's, it's awesome to have this on but the show. It, it's funny that what you did bring back to, even that you were going for a total different game design, is room scale. Because room scale is a part of Pistol Whip. Yeah. Mm. It, it, yeah, we, it's, oh. well, it was like, how can we, we knew we couldn't, we, we couldn't go whole hog on room scale like we did in no. the Star Seed. But we're like, well, how do we force a mover to move force a user to move their body as much or more within a very mm. confined space so yeah absolutely nathan you're totally right it's like because that's also how you drive deep presence again it's the mm. more active your body is in that experience you're just you're so much more grounded yeah the mixed reality in there there it's it's just you see that trailer and you immediately get what this game is about and i think that's what a lot of like vr developers struggle with when they show a vr game is like how it plays in virtual reality especially for people who don't have a vr headset but with pistol whip and especially in the trailer that you guys made once you see that you immediately understand like how this game plays and why it is awesome yeah I sorry go ahead no i'm uh, just gonna say i still remember back at oc6 when uh, you know these three guys had played the game, and they're like, "Zim, you you gotta yeah. you, you gotta track these guys down and play Pistol Whip." Yeah. And all at that point, you're just hearing you know Pistol Whip, and I think they were talking about you know the the obvious comparisons in the movie side, and they're like, "Oh, you just gotta try it." And until you try it, like it, it it's hard to sell it, right? Because all you've got is a is maybe a name or a premise to go off of. It's like you're gonna feel like John Wick. And and you almost don't believe that when someone says it, you're like, yeah, okay, maybe. And then you, you I mean, even in that demo edition, it was like instantly like selling it. So what Rowdy's saying about the MR is not every VR experience looks great in MR or works well, but I do I, think that it it gives it that veneer that is like very attractive and and brings it in. It sells it and, well, and, and that's then, the important and then thing. In the, and then in the end, the game comes out and you play it on your Oculus Go. <laughs> I did. Yeah. I, did. I saw that. I, did. <laughs> it, I saw that. It works. Yeah. So, nice. yeah. Well, I was like, we... I was like, you know, I, I'm always like that. I always like just tinkering and testing with the various, and and every so often someone oh, just God. clicks and it goes, hang on a second. Like right now, I've got um, th oh, there's a lady so who in 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 Boston who um has been having this like four month saga with returning her touch controllers back and forth with Oculus and they're not working. So she's like relegated to single hand quest games. And there aren't that many that offer that option, right? Yeah. And it's similar to like, when you think about the difference between six DOF and, and three DOF, there are some games, not very many, uh, Pistol, Hip, Pistol Whip is one of them, uh, where you can kind of get away a little bit uh, with going to three DOF and you can still have fun. You can still complete a level. You know, you're not gonna pull any high scores or anything. I have a funny story about, cause we, one of the things was we, I recognized really early that being able to brace your hand and put a controller down made the whole yes. thing just feel way better. Um, so, but it totally confused Oculus. They're like, wait, we, it actually wrecked one of the systems because you couldn't have one of the controllers off camera without it causing a bunch of problems. Uh, wow, that's interesting. Yeah. So they had to, they actually had to do some stuff in their API to enable us to actually just use one controller, uh, yeah. which was fun. 
Um, so, that, so one thing we should touch on probably as well, like, and we will come back to Pistol Whip, um, is the Aperture Hand Labs uh, experience and how you got involved in that. Because, you know, I remember when uh, the Valve Index was coming out and teasing, I remember you guys teasing a bunch of pictures on, on Twitter with like little emojis covering the headsets and it sparked a whole uh, controversy over like, <laughs> is this the new headset? Like, did you get in trouble over that? And like, how did Valve end up approaching you to say, hey, can you make this experience for us to onboard our new controller? <laughs> smiley gate um yeah first of all <laughs> so w- what i failed to recognize was was how tenacious and detail oriented the like reddit community was oh yeah um, <laughs> nothing goes past it, it was like his eye stuff it was like super late at night i'm like oh it you know it's so we've been working on this thing for so long we we were working with the writers from the original portal like they were there at the studio wow. it, it was a really really cool project um but and it was i was super tired and like i'm like oh it's so frustrating not being able to even tease anything so i i put up a blurred image with a smiley emoji over my head and somebody like found a few pixels in the corner they're like that's an index and it wasn't supposed to exist so um did i get in trouble well i i very quickly emailed valve when that blew up and i'm like i'm really sorry this wasn't my intention obviously <laughs> and they're like oh it's no big deal they were they were super cool about it wow, um, nice that's awesome <laughs> but uh the actually i have I, i'll just grab it quick sorry how are we this, for time that's fine it's fine Denny hasn't disappeared yet because they were fine with <laughs> but him. but i remember we we discussed that that very image ourselves yeah, on the show oh yeah, yeah we, we have it on the podcast on the show somewhere I felt terrible uh, about that. Terrible. I was, I was horrified at myself, mainly. Um, wow. Anyways, so they, they had approached us. Um, they, they were spooling up everything for the index. And because we had done so much work on the, or the original early HTC hardware, um, and they were like bandwidth constrained, which sounds weird. Valve is like the biggest, smallest company on the planet. They've, you know, they, yeah. and they, they, they had a lot going on. Like they were spooling up to, to do their own projects for the index. And there was just the whole software suite that had to be completed. Um, just like the, the APIs and everything. So they're like, can you guys help us out and build, um, something to onboard users for knuckles? And we're like, absolutely. And then, so we, we, proposed a whole bunch of things for them like gave them kind of like this design book which i actually i should ask them if i could release it because we had a bunch of really fun ideas there that Um, would be interesting yeah and but it ended up coming down to the portal universe and we're like can we actually use that license and that ip and build something in that universe and they're like yeah sure (laughs) again very casual (laughs) for a for a giant company Um, and so they yeah they flew um jay and um the writers out to the the studio and we ended up working with them directly and and building this thing so they like this is the very i don't know if you can see it this is the earliest oh wow yeah version Holy of that moly. and it i don't even know if it works anymore to get it on i kind of like it it's like a micro version of the uh, index controllers but no thumbsticks of course it was just like this, a touchpad back then yeah the strap oh, kind of yeah. goes around your thumb and then you wow. you had to seal it up here it's um, right it's, it's funny that I might have the box of that controller because you guys once sent oh, yeah. me, you guys once sent me a package, and then when I opened it, it said like prototype knuckles. I was like, holy oh, really? shit, you gotta be kidding me! And well, then I opened it, and there was like maple syrup in there. Ooh, weird. <laughs> oh, oh, actual maple syrup, not just like spilled maple syrup. 
Yeah. <laughs> oh no, let's not get into that. <laughs> so, so yeah, we got to work with them uh, on like how it, how the control. This is the second version that came through, and how that evolved. Uh -huh. They had this really deep scooped um, pad originally, where your oh, thumb wow. kind of nest nestled like way down into it, which was an interesting design because it kind of set your finger in there, um, in an, or your, your thumb in there in an interesting way. But there mm. was like, there was a whole bunch of like streamlining usability things to like, this felt very gun-like originally cause there were the, the curves were so extreme. So it ended up kind of slowly over time, kind of be, becoming more generic. So it could be used in different ways. I actually personally miss the, the thumb pad. I, it same goes for Oculus and, and those controllers. Oh. Really? Um, yeah. As a designer, and that's what I said as well. As a designer and developer, this hinders me more than it helps because if I have a gamepad, uh, a touch-sensitive, capacitive pad, I can do so many more things with that. Like I can turn this into so many different things, um, and and like mm. really the sensitivity on that is is far superior to a, a game mm. a stick. I get mm -hmm. why they all lean that way because it's you know new developers coming into the ecosystem and designing for the first time this is more approachable to them and they get it but as a vr guy i'm like eh, oh. it feels like a step backwards it's it's a shame because on the on the valve index controls that that little touch pad that you have is barely getting used in games and it's also hard to mm -hmm. use because yes. it's a very small little you know touch uh, personally like the track pads can burn in hell like i hate them like I, i'm i'm a, I'm a I love them. man yeah. like i had, a, I had like a steam my... controller I'm, i had a steam controller and i i could almost play as well on my steam controller using the track pads that i could oh, with a mouse yeah. Yeah. so i agree with uh, with danny that like the sensitivity mm, and precision wow. is so much higher are if we, you learn how to use it. I think it's a bit 50-50 here, because I'm definitely with Mike. Yeah, like, trackpads are think... absolutely terrible and should be should burn. <laughs> but yeah. I just, I, I, the sensitivity yeah, but I, and like I, your, mo your motor control with that, I've never found it to be satisfactory. But I like, think it the depends. Vive touchpads, for instance, were just very unsatisfactory to integrate with. And, and I found over time as well, their degradation is a lot worse than an analog stick. You know what but happened though? It depends, because... it depends on the game though, because if you play yeah. for Space Pirate Trainer, that's great with like a, you know, a touchpad to scroll through the, you know, the different yeah. weapons, but so... then others are like, yeah, thumbstick all the way. But that's what Danny means. Like the, yeah. the amount of things that you can do with that are, yeah. are far uh, wider than just with the, with the, with so, the so what happened because everybody went with a stick is that game devs did everything with a stick and like so to, the reason i'm saying this is a move backwards is because when you have when you are forced kind of to bare minimums like there is one button what guess what happens in, in vr especially it's like oh okay this is about natural interfaces i shouldn't be using buttons at all i should be using my hands to gesture and grab things in the environment to do a thing like your hand your there shouldn't be buttons there shouldn't yeah and and in fact that that overtasks like your cognitive abilities in VR. You're blind. You can't see the outside world. You're fumbling around for buttons and sticks. Like that. <laughs> it, that's not VR to me. Um, mm -hmm. I get why their game like games have been developed in the way that they have to utilize that stuff. But to me, it's mm -hmm. like I would rather strip that away from developers and force them into a different like mm -hmm. modality of thinking for VR. And like, it's interesting that you you know no pun intended stuck with your guns through the design process and pistol whip in exactly the same way. Yeah. Yeah, it was the. It had to be one button, like just yeah. no bullshit. <laughs> and so, so it's kind of interesting, you know. You you've then gone through this journey with Valve. You've worked with them with the knuckles. You've then created the Aperture Hand Labs experience. 
And then, you know, like Pistol Whip uh, is doing super well. You then release it on Quest. You've now released on PSVR as well. Can you tell us a bit about like the differences between the, the three platforms and, you know, each one with their challenges? Like was one easier than the other or, or did one perform well on one platform that maybe wasn't expected? Or, how you know, how was that uh, working across the three platforms? So it was interesting because... Um... Well, we knew we had to kind of go for a very, very low visual fidelity for Pistol Whip if it was going to perform on Quest. So we started at the baseline. Okay, well, what can we do visually that's going to make sense for that, that won't look like mm. absolute crap and could be translated to other platforms? So because we started there, dealing with Quest and uh, PC VR was super simple. Like, well, I, I shouldn't, <laughs> sorry, all the engineers are probably <laughs> screaming at me right now. It was not simple. God damn it. Um, <laughs> But uh, comparatively, like those two platforms, simple. Sony, very different story. Completely different architecture, uh, like custom engineering to get shaders and this and that working. The, the, the power of the actual console itself for VR rendering in stereo at 90 frames a second, all that kind of stuff, um, really, really a huge challenge. Um, so, mm -hmm. and also because Sony is, you know, quite an old company and and a giant company uh there's just a lot more hoops you have to jump through to get stuff working on that platform and then of course so uh the the differences in fidelity in terms of tracking uh quest is great they like oculus nailed inside out tracking like in a really profound way uh uh you know, Steam VR works great. Tracking, you know, similar tracking capabilities, so no problems there. Again, Sony, uh, lots of latency, um, lots of things we had to kind of smooth out, and lots of engineering challenges to make that feel good on that platform. Um, but that being said, what came out on Sony recently um, has gotten really great reviews, and people seem to be enjoying it. So I think we we nailed it. Yeah, I think you did because I, I played a Pistol Whip on on PSVR this week actually testing out some haptic vests and mm. you know by the way anyone out there if you want to play a game with a haptic vest like pistol whip is a great example of a great game to play with a haptic oh. vest if with a sub pack yes. a would you um you know the 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 base of the the music tracks along with the 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 gun as well like the sounds of the gun they just work perfectly for a haptic vest experience so you know you should definitely go try that out um and it's interesting, you know, that you've managed to, like you say, iron out all that stuff, because for me, it didn't feel any different from playing it on PC or, or Quest. So I think you've done a great job there. That's good. <laughs> yeah. I, I had a question there as well. Like, um, you know, what do you see for the future for Cloud Hat? Is there anything that you can you can share with us? Um, I was talking to you guys earlier about whether or not I should even say anything. There's lots of stuff in the pipe. So uh, there's some really fun, cool stuff being announced soon for pistol whip did i say that earlier today or was that private yeah you did okay that was earlier today okay yeah. um so um beyond that cloudhead does have a labs it's only like four of us that are in the, the the labs um and we are working on something really exciting for how we do this stuff how we communicate but it's done in a very game developer way um and i would love to share more about that and i i definitely will soon ish um, but I'm personally excited about it because it's in some ways it's like a mini meta mini metaverse is what I keep calling it. Um, uh -huh. so 
But I'll, that's all I can say. So Cloudhead Games <laughs> is working on a mini metaverse. A mini metaverse, like <laughs> working legit. collaboration tool, like so you can socialize and remote work. Is that the kind of plan of it? It could be used in a, a whole bunch of different ways. It could be used for just casual hanging out with friends, um, but it could also be used for conventions and school and work. Um, but it's all about organic collaboration tools that are very. They're kind of gamified. Like it's it's a it's a different kind of modality than you would get from, like a corporation or a business trying to make a, communi yeah. communication tool. And it's called Cloudhead Horizon. <laughs> <laughs> so maybe maybe we should wrap up the uh, the conversation. Maybe we should take a couple of questions from the chat, and and uh, I'll ask a couple more questions myself. Um, but maybe yeah. one of the questions I think is an important one is you know especially with everything going on with. Um, the community being angered about, you know, the the, the Facebook account being required uh, on new Oculus headsets moving forward. Um, you know, what are your thoughts on that and also like the community reaction uh, about that? Like I said, it's a weird time for VR developers specifically. And my heart goes out to every studio trying to navigate their way through all of this because there's there's only a few companies that can actually that actually have the capacity and the hardware power to make vr a real thing and so mm -hmm. it's a constant like internal struggle with modern politics and who's in trouble for this and that but in the meantime we're just like you know pretty earnest vr developers trying to make vr a real thing for the majority of the planet and so my thoughts on that are just that people have to remember the people really driving VR, the 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 developers, the enthusiasts, and and the hardware makers are they're all in it for the same reasons, which is to bring like this magical new medium to the to the masses, to the entire planet. Mm -hmm. And it, yeah. it doesn't have it has nothing to do with politics at that level. It's just people who want the technology to succeed. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. And uh, and it leads me on to my next question is, what do you think uh, the most important thing in VR is right now? Or what do you think it will be moving forward? Uh, I Well, accessibility, I, th I think we've reached a really interesting tipping point with um, the way hardware is moving. So it'll really come down now, I think, to price and accessibility. Getting people in headsets has always been VR's biggest problem, and we're finally starting to cross a threshold where that is happening. Um, and I think the doors are about to open up for developers uh, in a pretty big way. And I think the next next year will kind of reveal that more. But uh, there, once that happens, like once we get past this just very basic entry point where you know everybody can afford the hardware and most people are getting into the hardware and finding utility in the hardware, like there's good software in, in all ways. Once that happens, then all the stuff that you guys and, and I care about will start happening, which is like deeper haptics, um, finger haptics, uh, expanded field of view, um, like uh, smaller, lighter, better, faster, all of that stuff, right? Um, so I, I, it's just, it's all gonna have like a natural avalanche effect, I think. And and I, yeah. don't, I don't think that's far away. I, I honestly believe like the COVID as horrible as it's been has been astounding for vr because it's yep. it's shown people what the true potential of vr is in mentally like in terms of escapism in terms of like giving yourself a mental reset when you can't go anywhere um or in terms of fitness and a whole bunch of different factors so um i think that is just going to continue to build quite honestly yeah. awesome 
Awesome. Nice. Any questions from Very the uh, cool. the chat that you want to you want to bring in? I, I had a few noted down. Um, uh, we had uh, actually some questions about the gallery episode three. Uh, when is it coming out? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Uh, and then, and then um, we had uh, uh, Paradise Decay asking, does Danny think VR is in a good place now for developers? And how much of his response is a result of how successful Pistol, Pistol Whip has been? Would he still feel the same way if Pistol Whip didn't do well? Yeah, that's a really good question, and that's come up on Twitter quite a bit, like that that whole discussion with um, different developers about what's actually working. So I can say without question, Quest is outperforming every other platform, like by a huge, huge margin. Um, so uh, we owe our success in a lot of ways to Quest as a platform, um, and it's just it's a bunch of factors. It's accessibility and ease of use and uh, price point and not needing a PC and like they they just removed so many friction points for cons consumers that that platform is performing very very well very strongly. There, so you can't ignore that place, platform. Sorry, go ahead. Is there still a place for PC VR for developers? Uh, it should always always, um, but it should always be like in the current market. If you're not considering Quest at the top of your mm. development uh, cadence and like where it sits, then you're mm. missing the biggest market. And so if you have political viewpoints that make you averse to going on Facebook or, or Quest, mm. um, I respect that, but you're probably not going to survive this market. Um, the, the numbers on PC are just too low. Like unless you're doing everything exactly right, um, you're not going to perform where you need to perform. Pistol Whip, it did a lot of things right. So it's doing pretty well on PC. Um, it's doing much better on Quest. And mm. then it's like, it's like Quest, PC, and then mm. PSVR. That's kind of like the, the slope. So, so as a developer, like right now you have two options or you try to get your game approved for the Oculus Store. And if that doesn't work, yeah. then SideQuest is still a great place to go to. But besides that, there's nothing really else standalone-wise yeah, you can go to as a dev, right? It, it's still a very challenging market, and you still have to... Like, a big part of running a VR studio is making the right relationships, which is also what makes COVID so difficult for studios. And so, mm -hmm. like, um, my advice to any studio is go through that process, though, of making the relationships, reach out to your peers if if you don't have any, a demo is always the best thing. You're you're never going to convince anybody of anything unless you have a demo, and that's a really hard sell for a lot of studios because you have to put money and time into building a demo. But you have to do that exercise, or no one's going to listen or take the time to look at your product. And mm. you so even if it's just a vertical slice, like do a burn for three months, show them that proof of concept, give them a two-page document that explains what it is. That's where you're going to get the most buy-in, and that's that's more likely how you will get on Oculus um, and that storefront right now. But that doesn't stop you from launching on Steam or or PC. Like so, get your thing out in early access. That's all. That's still a good way to go, um, and build from there. So, but get a demo. You need a demo, or you're you're not going to go anywhere. Solid advice there. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very solid. Uh, I had another question here. Uh, I saw some in the chat being written down as well. Um, let me see real quick where it is. Someone uh, quickly asked, uh, do you think there'll ever be uh, the gallery on Quest? Oculus <laughs> asked, us that, asked, asked us that question, actually. 
Um, it's not out of the question. It depends on how the technology evolves. And mm. like you guys have seen some of the stuff they've they've released. Maybe, maybe it was last year about um, like uh, AI assisted rendering and and kind of yeah. kind of like using the cloud to fill in the blanks. Um, mm -hmm. And so suddenly you can have like these super high fidelity PC experiences on a mobile device on Quest. Um, that stuff's really interesting. And that's also something PC developers should be looking out for um, just in terms of going, well, my game will never make it to that platform. Don't, don't say never. Like that's, that's a possibility in like the next few years. That's interesting. And then we have one final question, maybe from a stubborn ninja. Have you guys ever felt like you're competing directly with Beat Saber? Uh, no, Beat Saber, <laughs> Beat Saber is such a gigantic machine. Uh, I don't think we're... They, they hit everything right at the right moment and on every platform. And to do that is... It's like, it's like striking gold or winning the lottery. Um, mm. I think we're a very different game. Like when you actually play the two experiences, I think they're very, very different. Um, we're definitely in the same family of like rhythm based games. Uh, and we're doing really well. I have no complaints about how we're performing. Um, and I, again, I feel for developers who are trying to find that right mix of stuff that will hit mm. people the right way. My, again, my advice is like, go through all the top selling charts on every storefront, look at what's actually performing and try to understand why understand what mechanics are actually getting people to pick up their headsets and go back into an experience. Like the retention is a super important part of what you have to break down to understand why people are excited about anything. That's a great answer. Data. Yeah, that is really, really great. Thank you so much, Denny. Like like having you on the show, it, it's been awesome. A lot of people in the chat have really enjoyed it as well, made comments about, you know, it's like a history lesson in VR. And I think it's true, you know, have you being there from the beginning, you know, you really have this like unique uh, insight into the industry and, and and documenting it, you know, on a show like this is is going to be really important, I think, for the future that one day someone can maybe look back and say, oh, this is how it all started. That's that's really <laughs> awesome. And, and I think, you know, we, we should really give you the credit that you deserve in terms of a lot of the mechanics that you kind of like pioneered sure. back in the day in terms of locomotion, inventory and stuff like that. So, uh, yeah, congrats to you and the team. And we, we're just, you know, really really happy that you've you've really struck success with pistol whip and you definitely all deserve it and i can't wait to see what this uh, new announcement is in the next coming weeks and what you do in the I hope future to see as you well. soon on an event yeah yeah that too soon. absolutely wow. thank yeah you. thank we you miss, we, we we miss being in paper planes and, and drinking with you <laughs> <laughs> Th thank you so much for all of that it means it means a, a lot and it's not not just me there you know there's a whole company of people who have worked their asses off for seven years doing all that stuff and yeah, it. Um, I have nothing else to say. I don't think, other than thanks. Uh, we we really appreciate. Oh, I got it. gray. I got really gray over the years too. Is what, that's, that's what <laughs> yeah, actually I'll be that way soon enough. Um, so maybe now we should uh, pass it over to Zim uh, to talk about some uh, releases to look forward to next week. Because there is a couple of interesting titles coming, uh, particularly on the quest that you should be looking forward to. So uh, stay tuned for uh, for that. Yeah, indeed. You've got three minutes. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I could do that in three minutes. I'll take a challenge. Um, so first up, I've got uh, Cookout, which is coming from Resolution Games, which are one of my more favorite studios. Uh, 3rd of September, uh, you can dive into a sandwich tale. This is dropping both for Quest and Rift. Um, and basically, it's a frantic sandwich building party title, which you don't hear that very often. Uh, so the goal is to feed some ravenous customers 
who aren't your everyday Joe. So you get a variety of different um, consumers coming along. And these include mouse-like villagers uh, who enjoy an uncomplicated sandwich and werewolves who have a, a, a meaty bite and you'll need that stacked sandwich that uh, we all have in our dreams. So um, if, you, if you want to play with others, Cookout is a uh, up to four player multiplayer experience. Um, but if you don't have people to play with, there's actually AI partners who you can team up with as well if you want to play solo. There's also a training mode uh, if you are not yet adept in the, uh, in the kitchen in VR. And like like me, I only practice. use the microwave. Exactly. If you're like Nathie and only are used to pressing some buttons on a keypad, not assembling a sandwich for yourself, uh, then there is a training mode. This one I'm look, looking forward to a lot because um, obviously games like kind of Akron and, and, and many other the resolution that has been lots of fun. Just loads of like like heavy hitting mm. fun. Uh, as a family guy, I look forward to any possibility to you know bring my family together around mm. VR. Uh, I find them to be very rich in, in environments. Yeah. And uh, one of the things we play on Switch a lot uh, is, is is quite a bit like Cookout. So I'm looking forward to this. Their, their, their number one customer is Rowdy's dad for, for bait, you know? Rowdy's dad. Oh yeah, Rowdy, your I heard dad he's was still the... stuck in that game. Was big into Unbelievable. He, I, I couldn't get my headset off when, when he was playing that fishing game. Yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't let go. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So that's uh, that's Cookout coming to Quest and Rift. Uh, next up, we have uh, Falcon Age. So Falcon Age, this is a surprise, actually. Um, I wasn't expecting this, and uh, it's only a week away. Uh, so again, on the 3rd of September. Uh, if you're not into sandwiches, maybe you're into birds. Uh, so Falcon Age dropping on Quest. Um, a lot of you have seen this. This is a replatform. It did drop on PSVR initially, um, and it's it's a it's a story about uh, this tribal girl and her pet falcon who kind of grows up along with you, um, and you basically take on an evil robot corporation that's taken over the planet and has everyone in kind of subserviency, um, and you take him out. Uh, you have this little. Um, little bird uh, on your on your on your uh, falconing hand and you're able to dress it up you're able to uh, get to know that bird and uh, tell it to go attack some uh, some some burrowing rabbits and the like so it's an interesting experience I found the um, PSVR game to be quite engaging let's say mm. in the in the kind of first half it feels kind of uh, Half-Life 2 in the way that the story unveils uh, a little bit of pacing problems here and there but I'm really glad it's coming to quest it gives people some a little bit different uh yeah. and if you it's like a surprise play, surprise for sure i didn't surprise. expect this one at all yeah it, it, i'm surprised that we hear about it kind of this late in development because usually through the anguish and struggle of getting to quest usually devs crack and finally leak about their struggles yeah, uh, but this, this is this is this is a solid studio so they don't really need to outer you know, loop they don't need yeah. to put they don't don't need to put smileys on their uh, no i'm joking <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so, so far, that's Cookout and Falcon Age. Uh, and I'm going to give you one with a war bit of warning on this next one. Uh, so uh, we've, we've talked about this before. Stride. So if you're if you're into Mirror's Edge uh, and you've always wanted Mirror's Edge in VR, uh, Stride is the first game uh, from Joyway that's looking to bring that to you. And is and the uh, kind of early access is coming on the 4th of September. Now, it's coming in a number of phases, and hence my caveat. So although it's a story parkour action game, the first part of that, the story, um, isn't there at the start. So phase one, you're going to get three modes. They're going to release uh, in subsequent releases. So phase one has first en endless mode, which is endless level generation 
and unlimited challenges as featured kind of in the video. Second, arena mode, which is more spacious and varied terrain. And then third is time chase, which you can figure out what that's about, but essentially testing your parkour skills uh, at speed. And then later on at a yet to be announced release date, we've got phase two, which is where the story mode will come. So they are currently building that in parallel is what the developers say. Um, but if you're looking for um, if you're looking for something with a bit of a spine to it, a bit more of a, a storyline, kind of like what you had in Mirror's Edge, you might want to hold off and wait for this. If you're just keen on uh, running between buildings, uh, then again, September 4th is your time. Experience I, I did, that vertigo. I did, I did see them saying that they were going to delay this for a week or so to kind of work on it. So that was a good sign that they mm -hmm. were doing it. But like, Danny, what do you think about uh, them doing this in phases where, you know, the story, like it's not the full game yet. You pretty much buy and uh, hope that they're going to just go for all those phases and really deliver those. Yeah, the... <clears throat> Sorry, can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Um, the uh, yeah. the game itself looks really cool. I'm actually excited to try it. Stride um, looks like some innovative mechanics happening there. So I think if like their their mechanics kung fu is strong, then they can get away with doing that. Like just release the kind of fun and then come back backfill with a story mode. Um, and they're probably doing it. I I would guess for economical reasons as well. Like of course, getting yeah. getting to market as quick as they can and then just kind of adding. So I'm looking forward to that one. Yeah, I mean, especially nice. right now, I, I I certainly have a little bit more heart for um, uh, for indie devs who are, are just trying to basically stay alive as a studio, you know, in this time. And, and I hope the consumers kind of you know, open their wallets in, the, in that same way for it, for these for any idea that you think is even if it, at its bud, uh, a good one. OK, a couple of mentions uh, for things that you want to hear about, I'm sure. Uh, this one, uh, and in no way influenced by the fact that Denny's on the show, uh, Pistol Whip DLC dropped recently. Yeah, sure. Uh, so Heartbreaker, <laughs> a trilogy of Pistol Whip content. I've played through the three songs, and I find them to be quite exciting. Uh, more than that, actually, um, I've, I've <laughs> there's water guns. There's this new mod, which is absolutely brutal, um, which is called uh, Vengeance. Uh, so Vengeance is essentially... Every enemy that you shoot returns a bullet at you when they get shot. So unfair. So for those, for those fucking badass dudes with the massive armor in the head who take four shots, that's five bullets uh, most likely coming back at you. The one that they fire plus the four that you're firing at them. Uh, if you're trying to do that with the beat, uh, like Rowdy has encouraged me over the years to do, and I finally did this week uh, for the first time <laughs> ever, not just using my pistol like an Uzi. Um, mm. You know, it does. It feels fantastic. Oh. But that new, like the, the the new challenge that's posted, that I think these challenges last a week, and I, I'll give you some some time to talk about this, uh, Danny, for things that I might be missed in this update. Um, but Vengeance mod plus this new challenge, I I tried for an hour to beat that challenge on on one of the new levels, um, and I I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. I was embarrassed to say, um, but I I'm I'm, I'm really liking. The fact that there's a pivot now, like we have been getting these uh, releases on the pipeline to time uh, along the year, like you mentioned earlier in the year in your release pipeline. And I thought that was great. This came out. I wasn't sure what to expect. It certainly is a little bit more lighthearted, although you're still capping people when the little fireworks and hearts and stuff are going off. So it's not so lighthearted that I put my daughter in it, uh, but I had a lot of fun. But that challenge mode is brutal. I love the fact that you get alerted when your friends uh, top your score. Wait, wait, the, the new baby, you mean? The new baby? No, I'm not putting my oh, baby okay, in. Okay, <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah it's Vengeance and Disorder. Disorder is a real pain in the ass. It, uh, I, I'm, the, the team came up with uh, Vengeance and Disorder um, 
disorder basically mixes up the enemy types that are in a level so you never know they're completely random so you might have a four hit guy instead of a two hit guy here and um so for the pro <laughs> players going in and you know thinking they're going to ace ace a level uh it adds a lot of extra challenge you get the score bonus right because that's the way i saw it advertised so yeah the, the the point is like if you want to go for an upper score you can add this modifier it gives you the bonus which 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 makes it more difficult, but uh, that dynamic element to it, I think, is really encouraging. Like it's one of the things that I've always felt Beat Saber is a little bit like expected. I prefer a dynamic environment, like in a shooter when you don't know where the bad guy's coming from. It's not just timed. Mm -hmm. So I, I think it's a, that's probably one of the more fun mods for sure. Yeah, and challenges is something new. Um, we'll be talking a lot more about that next month. Um, but basically, uh, it's it's a way for us to give you specific challenges that mix up different modifiers um and then compete against your friends which is a cool fun thing to do it's great great thing to draw people back into pistol whip and i'll sir i've already i've already uh, got a score on all the songs that I've, i'm still gonna keep trying to grind until i get that one clock that challenge <laughs> is it that they're available for a week or did i get that wrong there's different time they can be it'll be variable Okay, yeah. okay. So it's not just necessarily a, a check-in every week thing. Good. Yeah. Uh, so those are those. And the, the final little mention that I'll mention without uh, without running a trailer for it is that we finally got news that Cubism VR is coming to Oculus Quest. I don't have oh. a date on this yet, uh, but that is a game that I have been praying, begging uh, Thomas, the developer uh, behind that one, to release his game. And, and finally it's coming. It's basically a very lighthearted kind of Tetris in VR. It's got tough puzzles. So, I mean, it doesn't mean it's easy. But I think it's the perfect kind of thing for people right now, you know, who are stuck at home, nothing else to do, kind of like mm -hmm. a Tetris effect, uh, but again, from the indie side. I love and, and, that. and it's a great example that this developer had a demo ready, uh, and then and now it's on the, so what you just said confirms this whole thing. Yeah. 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 So Danny's advice is important. If you're a VR dev or budding, <laughs> get a Deep demo build. Known. Yeah, get it done. So that's our releases for this week. Uh, with that, I'll throw it back to you, Mike. Nice. Well, I think, uh, you know, we've been going on quite a bit now, uh, you know, a two and a half hour show. We just can't help it. Apologies. Uh, hope you've enjoyed it anyway. Uh, so thank you for sticking with us. Um, obviously, just a reminder, you know, this is a weekly VR, AR and MR talk show live streamed every Saturday on YouTube and Twitch. Show goes live at 7 p.m. in Europe, 6 p.m. in the UK, 12 midday in Central US. Also, check out the audio version, which is available on iTunes, SoundCloud and Spotify. And hit the like button to show us that you care and subscribe to the channel for all our future shows. We'll, of course, be back next week with some more VR news and maybe I can actually talk about Ultra Leap and uh, Qualcomm <laughs> then. So sorry I had to drop it from the show, but I hope you enjoyed it uh, nevertheless. So have a great week in VR. Thanks again for Denny uh, for joining us. Really, really appreciate it. And I think a lot of you out there are really enjoying these developer insights as well. So we'll continue to do more in the future. So have a great week. Take care and bye-bye for now.